Welcome to No Club, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutherman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Elden Ring, a game that was developed by From Software, published by Bandai Namco, and was released in 2022 for Windows, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and the Xbox Series X slash S. Uh, but first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. It, hell yeah. It sure would. I don't know why I'm trying to add <laughs> on to that these days. <laughs> Elden Ring is a, an open world action RPG. Uh, and I would like to begin this podcast with some final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Your opening thoughts? <laughs> My opening thoughts uh, are some of the things that I would normally say for the very end. Uh-huh. And that is, this is potentially my favorite blind playthrough of a video game ever of all time. Mm. Uh, I think going into this not knowing anything at all about it beyond what was shown in the first trailer for it, uh, I was... I had a, 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 an incredibly good time. If first impressions were the only things that mattered, this would be the best game ever made. Uh, <laughs> and it, it isn't. And I think that there are things that we can talk about and get more into. But if you haven't played this game and you have any intention whatsoever of doing so, do not listen to this or watch any other content if you've managed to avoid it for the last month. Uh, because the the... The blind experience of this game is special in a way that since I've now played through the game a second time, it does not, it's not the same when mm-hmm. you know what's going on. Yeah. And I would advocate that for all games, if possible, personally. Yeah, like anything um, that you know you're yeah. gonna... I'm sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, you were saying uh, about the blind playthrough. Oh, yeah. I, I just wanted to, to get that in at the beginning. Uh, because yeah, while we do advocate for playing games, like letting the game speak for itself rather than other people speaking Mm -hmm. for it, I do think that like, I've played games that I've heard lots about and they still have like things that are a very like purely mechanical experience and Souls-like games have a tendency to be that way, but this one doubles down on a lot of the things that make this series as a whole like this conjoined series uh kind of special and that is that discovery and exploration thing Mm -hmm. a lot of people are still finding stuff out about the old games as well and it's always like new and interesting to do that kind of a thing so Mm -hmm. that's that's all i really wanted to to get out there i second that i i feel like we have a like the the culture right now is to just know everything about something before it even comes out. So mm-hmm. I, I'm a I'm a definitely a proponent of go in knowing as little as possible. Like once you feel sold, stop watching trailers and stuff. Once you feel dark sold, <laughs> yeah. Once you feel dark sold on a game, mm-hmm. that's what I say. But you know, you do you. <laughs> uh... I think maybe just to give a little bit more time for people who might not have gotten the fuck out yet. (laughs) uh, I think a good place to start with this is this this is one of the most approachable games that From Software, I think, has made. Mm -hmm. And if you had asked me on the 27th, Mm -hmm. two days after the game came out, I probably would have said this feels like it might be the easiest game that they've made. 
But you, if you ask me now, I don't know exactly how to define any of this anymore. Oh, yeah. I think that stuff you always hear um, if you like listen to reviews or just listen to people talk about these games because there's no shortage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it. The difficulty is always a weird thing to talk about because it's so like dependent on like which one you played first and how many, you know, et cetera. It's like your own personal experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like. I agree this one is the most accessible to new people because I think all of the games have had at least a little bit of this where, like, if you're having trouble with something, you can always leave and go do something else. But because it's an open world, there's just so much more of that. So it's a lot easier to just, like, fuck off from whatever is giving you, like, whatever is giving you grief and just go do other stuff. Like, there's so much other stuff to do. You could probably never come back to that thing that you were stuck on <laughs> and be fine. Yeah. It's really strange because, like, even at the end of the game, like, when I was up against the final boss, uh, I easily had another 30 hours of stuff I could have been doing mm-hmm. um, and just did it after the final boss. But, like, it was always there. Like, there was lots of stuff that I could have gone to do. Uh, that I just chose whether I wanted to in the moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I was playing the original Dark Souls, I remember I got up to Ornstein and Smo and hit that wall really hard, like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And like I went and probably did play like 20 more hours of stuff I hadn't done um, before I went back and fought them some more. But like it was much less obvious. Like It's, it's harder to find that stuff yeah. um, in the older games. Yeah, because uh, a lot of it is, like, the optional content in a previous Dark Souls or Bloodborne game is hidden, essentially. Like, the main path is usually pretty apparent. Shoutouts to Dark Souls 1 for not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> where some people just get stuck in the catacombs for ten hours before they move on with the game. Uh-huh. Um it's but, not signposted. Yeah. But it, it is, it's a lot harder to go back... Uh, and find stuff because a lot of that stuff wasn't meant to be found immediately. So you don't know that you're missing it. In right. Elden Ring, it's like you have this big map and you look at it and you're like, well, I know I've been to here and here, but there's all this that mm-hmm. I haven't gone into at all. Uh, and so there's, there is hidden content in the same way that the older Souls games had, but it is... It it's just as hidden, but it feels like a drop in the bucket compared to the non-hidden content you could be going after as well. Right. So it is just swimming with stuff to do. Um. Uh, I came into this game with basically I was excited, but I had two expectations, mm-hmm. and that is, as somebody who doesn't usually like open world games. I didn't think that an open world game would surpass uh, how I feel about the world of Breath of the Wild within a decade of it coming out. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't think that FromSoft was going to be able to make a game that I liked better than Bloodborne. I was right about one of those <laughs> things. <laughs> uh, and I was curious, like, when you came into this game, like, what did you expect? I don't, I avoided, I watched the initial trailer that they released, like, forever ago, mm-hmm. uh, that which is, like, a story trailer, um, and I have not followed it at all since, um, did not, like, when people, like, they released the game to, like, people to try and to show to people, I did not watch anything, um, and so I really had no expectations either, I feel like 
several years ago, like before The Force Awakens came out, mm-hmm. I blew a hype fuse and don't really get <laughs> hyped for things anymore. Yeah. But I was looking forward to this and it kind of snuck up on me. It was like, oh yeah, Own Ring's coming out in January. And I was like, oh, sweet. And they're like, oh, I got delayed to February. I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's, that's fine. <laughs> I can wait. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's cool. Um, so yeah, like, but I was, I was looking forward to it. And when it came out, um, yeah, I didn't really know anything about it. And I think what struck me was, I had like basically no expectations. I just kind of went in blank slate. Um, but it, it was a lot more, it felt a lot closer to like Dark Souls 4 than I expected it to. And I don't really mean that in a good or bad way. Uh, just kind of, it just, I expected it to be more different, I guess, is the big thing. It just, it feels super familiar. Yeah, we we don't script these episodes. I think it should be extremely obvious. Yes. Uh, but in my head, I do prior to an episode have like talking points and stuff, and bring it out in the way that I sort of want it to to come out on on the show. And you basically just one hundred percent like laid out <laughs> the the elephant in the room for me with Elden Ring is that it is Dark Souls four, mm-hmm. and it's weird to me because like there's lots of like. Oh yeah, Bloodborne and Dark Souls are really close, even though they're technically different series because of blah blah blah, all these mechanics. Mm-hmm. This game obviously is running on the Dark Souls three engine. Yeah, uh, contains assets and stuff that are lifted directly from Dark yeah, Souls three. That kind of surprised me how many things kept cropping up. Where I'm like, oh, that's just from Dark Souls three. Yeah, and so I also wanted to bring it up as a not good or not bad thing, but I think that there are very subjective parts of it that are good and bad. Sure, like depending on who you are. Um, to because to me subjectively, I think that uh. The fact that Elden Ring is a lot like Dark Souls 3 is good because I was one of the people, apparently very few of those people, Mm -hmm. who didn't care for Sekiro Mm. and was afraid that this was going to be another game that I I bought and then didn't play because I (laughs) I didn't enjoy it. Uh, And the fact that it is like Dark Souls meant that I could get into it pretty much regardless. Yeah, I think I had kind of assumed it would be more like Dark Souls just because it's like a dark fantasy thing. Yeah. I actually hadn't even considered it might be more like Sekiro, (laughs) which I also thought was like just okay. Yeah. Personally. There aren't... Before you click off of the podcast... Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, uh, maybe never get into it, but, uh, Uh yeah, like it was something, but just being a new IP, like there was always that chance that they would try something entirely different and Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be something that I gelled with. Uh, so I was, I was a little bit pleasantly surprised at how much it was like Dark Souls 3. Mm -hmm. And I also think that once again, depending on who you are, I didn't love the fact that like the big crabs came back. And it's not because I hate the crabs, I do, but the like when when you see something straight out of Dark Souls 3, you already know how to deal with it. It's yeah. not a surprise, it's not new, and that is a bit of a bummer. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things I I like so much about Bloodborne is it was all new. Yeah. And yeah, like that's one thing that like I think the Souls sequels like one of their weaknesses is like they recycle stuff a little too often. This obviously has a ton of new shit. Yeah, but it like re- returning assets do kind of stick out. Yeah, and it, it to, makes me... like veterans of the series. Exactly. Yeah, and it, and it makes me wonder, sort of like, I can't 
like this is why I think it is not objectively a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Is because I cannot really blame them considering how big this game. Oh yeah, is. no, not at all. Yeah, it just it takes a bit of it. Like uh, the first time I ran into a giant enemy crab was at Castle Morn uh, mm-hmm. on the Weeping Peninsula in this game. And I remember jumping down and seeing the crab and just being like, because I had been playing essentially for 11 consecutive hours when I got there and was just like, fucking the crab? Like, for- <laughs> <laughs> is back? Why? Uh, and was just confused by it more than anything. Uh, like a boss health bar pops up and it says the crab, the crab. from Dark Souls 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it just it took me back uh, to a de- to a time that i didn't love being smashed by a crab <laughs> but uh it was in it was it was interesting i don't know that would be the one major downside that that i i can say sure about it being dark souls 4 <laughs> yeah it stood out to me early like with like the dog enemies i'm like oh yep here we go <laughs> Like it just and it just like kept like little things. I'm like, oh, this is like um, there's these enemies. Um, it was in I think the cathedral, the deep area. They're like spewing like leeches out of their guts and stuff. Like there's those enemies are in this game too. Uh-huh. Um, like just specific little things like that that will stand out to you if you've played all these games. But yeah, yeah it's it's just like a nitpicky thing. Uh, and I encourage it, in fact, if it means they can put more content in the game by saving time. <laughs> that is true. Because, like, when I talk about this game being approachable to a new player, like, one of the things that makes the original Dark Souls unapproachable is the fact that it is, uh, like, it just feels different, especially in, in the, at the time that it came out, mm-hmm. from other games and doesn't do a lot to help the player out at the beginning. Yeah. That's part of why I love it, though. <laughs> but yeah, no, it does make it unapproachable. Yeah, for sure, for new players. Yeah, it just makes it hard to to take your first few steps because once you do, you kind of get the flow of it. Mm-hmm. But if you get stuck early, it's it's impossible to like grasp for a long time. Yeah, you have to want to like walk up a hill mm-hmm. when you start Dark Souls One. Yeah, or your the- first Souls game of any kind, really. If you haven't played Dark Souls 1, our biggest tip is make sure you walk up a hill. There's a, a very you important to, hill you, you get to walk up. in that mood to overcome a challenge. Uh-huh. Oh, I meant literally to yeah, get to, to undead up, Yeah, yeah, you have to walk up a hill. Yeah. <laughs> Don't walk down Yeah, a hill. go up that. It's kind of obscured by a tree. There's a staircase. <laughs> Look this, for it. It's our Dark Souls 1 tutorial. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, and and then the thing for me anyway that made Dark Souls two unapproachable is that it's like a hundred stupid hours <laughs> long for no reason, <laughs> and this game feels like it's going to be a hundred hours long from the time that you walk out the front gate, mm-hmm. and it can be. Yeah, I mean, I ended my game the first time at one hundred and ten hours. Mm. I think it for me it was around eighty, mm-hmm. but I tried to finish it quick for this. Yeah. So there, I've still I've continued to play it. And will yet easily surpass 100 hours, so. <laughs> I would actually be surprised if you haven't already surpassed 100 hours. I think I'm, like, about, probably about 90 right now. Mm. Uh, and I played it twice. <laughs> <laughs> so there's definitely, uh, there was a bit of a discrepancy between the amount of free time that each of us had before yeah. this. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know, I... 
I felt like I expected it to be really long when I went in. Sure. And uh, it lived up to that expectation fully. Um, and there's just a lot to do and a lot of things. I'm lost now. So let's <laughs> let's take it back and talk about something else. Mm-hmm. We should talk about the game. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I have a lot of stuff that I, I do want to cover for sure. Mm-hmm. And just saying mechanics is not going to be, is not going to mean much in a game this mechanically focused. Sure. Um, but I think it's good basics so that you have a grasp of it when we get to talking into the bigger elements of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you play Dark Souls 3, feel free to skip to time code here, <laughs> uh, because it does play very similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've played this game two times through at this point, and I played a melee character who was just full like strength for two-thirds of the game, and then I specced into Faith at the end. Mm-hmm. And then on my second character, I played like a caster sorcery build. I wanted to go into these so that I could get a feel for the melee weapons, for the new spells in both of those, like, classes, I guess. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's this is going to be more in-depth of a conversation, I think, when we talk about bosses. Sure. But it does feel very similar to Dark Souls, but I feel like the spellcasting feels way harder than it was Mm. in other Souls games, which is a good thing, uh, because I think that a lot of people were like, oh, just hit the easy button, cast a fucking uh, Soul Spear, a fart missile. Right. And uh, in this game, it feels a lot more like fucking run all the way as fast (laughs) as you can and then shoot off a single projectile and then run the fuck away <laughs> over and over again. It's a lot of sprinting uh-huh. when you're playing a ranged class in this. Yeah, I, I've never t- really messed with the magic in any of these games. I've never really cared for it. Mm-hmm. And that was the same in this game. I didn't I didn't try it out. Yeah, I mean, and that's fair. I think that there is certain... Pl- like, I am also more of a let's just get the biggest weapon I can find uh-huh. and swing it around. Uh, which is why my first playthrough on any of these games is usually going to be, with the exception of Dark Souls 1 itself, when I had no fucking idea what I was doing. Uh-huh. I played an ink class. But every other game that I've played, the first time I've played through it, I just get a big sword, I get a, and I run around and I, I hit people with it. Right. One thing that's interesting about the combat mechanics in this game and you can fucking back me up on this. Sure. I basically never equip a shield in a Dark Souls game. Uh, I I get a big sword. I usually two-hand it. And then mm-hmm. I put a bunch of points in endurance and, and vitality. And I roll around. And uh-huh. I go, don't hit me. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> and then I swing the sword. Mm-hmm. This game made great shields live up to their name, we'll say. <laughs> They were incredibly strong during my first playthrough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm a, an outlier, I guess, at least from what I've heard of other people talk about these games online. Uh, I prefer sword and board. I think I've said this dumb joke before, but for me, it's sword and have a great time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if you have, but uh, I'm glad maybe, that it's on, on tape now. Maybe that was just off-cast, but... Um, 
Yeah, like, I just like to play that way. And, like, it's weird because, like, I've played Bloodborne. I've played, like, Monster Hunter. Like, I've played games where you have to roll through attacks and stuff. But for some reason, like, I just can't wrap my head around it in Dark Souls. Like, in Dark Souls 3, my first playthrough, I'm like, I'm going to do a dex build. I'm going to roll through attacks, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to mm. actually do it this way because everyone says that that's, like, the better way to play. And I couldn't do it. Like, I just gave up on that um, partway through. So yeah, I'm right there along with you, and uh, yeah, the great shields in this are awesome. They're more effective than the regular shields, and they don't like completely destroy your equip load as much as they did in the previous games. Yeah, that's that's actually because like the the quote unquote like best great shield in the game mm-hmm. uh, is very heavy. And I, by the end of the game, was using, like, this big... Like, I was using the Visage uh, shield, which, if you if you haven't found it, is a big face that shoots fire oh, out yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, and it weighs, like, a million billion pounds. But it's so unnecessary to even go that far, because we were both using the Golden Shield at some point, mm-hmm. which is fairly light, has 100% fizz block, and just, like... Fucking, you just hold that shit up and nothing gets through. Mm-hmm. And it was extremely weird to me playing with a shield for a while because it's just not my usual play style, I guess. But this game really sold me on it in a way. And I was afraid when I got to my second playthrough that some of the bosses that I was just blocking <laughs> were going to completely fuck me up in in the second uh, on the second time through. And fortunately, that was mostly not the case, uh, with a few exceptions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I thought I thought that they, uh, the people I've been online a lot with this game, uh-huh. and the people who talk about strength being weak in this game are not playing with a great shield. I think right. that's I the also, problem. I also did a strength build with a great shield. Yeah. <laughs> it can also attest to it. I just, uh, the, the strength build was, I mean, it was my first playthrough, so I'm going to be a little bit biased on it. Way more fun in, like, every way than the, the latter playthrough. Join the dark side. <laughs> the sword and great time side. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but you're a lot more mobile with it. Like, I feel like in the older games, you were kind of just like a walking wall. <laughs> um, if you had a great shield, and this one, you can like more freely run around and stuff, mm-hmm. which just may yeah makes it much more appealing. I think we'll touch on some stuff, some other stuff as we proceed. Sure. Uh, as far as like basic combat stuff goes, um, but I think okay, let's talk about this game and exploration and open world mechanics mm-hmm. generally because i'm surprised at how well i think the soulsborne mechanics work in an open world y- you can make the argument that other dark souls games were open world particularly the first one mm-hmm. uh it's but- like a different structure yeah yeah it's not really like an open world like the open world sandbox kind of design yeah, I think sandbox versus like non-linear. You're like two worlds of open world mm-hmm. where in Dark Souls you could do a lot of different things in a lot of different orders and in Elden Ring it is just like fucking find something to do. Right. Uh and I I think that a lot of the stuff that is unique to the Dark Souls formula, the messages, the 
uh, like the Estes system, all of these, like, and the bonfires, obviously that that's more generalized at this point. Uh, I think lend themselves really well to this open world design in a way that I was kind of surprised by. Yeah. It just, it, it, I think it works really well. I think in a similar way to like breath of the wild, it, it, it's most of its content revolves around just like combat and exploration. Um, and those kind of things I think are easier to fill an open world with. Like a lot of other open world games will have like stories and quest lines and towns and NPCs and like lots of other stuff going on. And like certain ones will like feel a need to like fill, like try and inject some more unique content in there. And like, with with this, it feels more like it's just like the regular kind of Souls content just like peppered around and it really just doesn't need anything else. Yeah, it, it's it's almost shocking in like when I said that I didn't think that a game would make me feel the same way as Breath of the Wild's open world. Th- this is the thing. This is the one comparison I think I can make to Breath of the Wild is that it feels like this game has a ton of authored content but a lot of it is combat based. Yeah. But that's what these games do well. Yeah. I think the best way to describe it is like, it feels like everything's content. Mm-hmm. Like if you're playing something like the Witcher three, which is a great game in its own right. But like, there's a lot of like, I'm writing in between like spots of interests or like, you know, like there's a lot of like, I talked to this guy. Now I have to ride over here to this exclamation point to talk to that guy to do something. Right. Whereas, like in in something like Breath of the Wild and this, you're just always doing something. Right. Like always... it's it's all gameplay. Yeah. There's no like busy work or in between spaces, really. Yeah, especially. <laughs> We've made the argument before that other Dark Souls games should have kept the fast travel till the end of the game like the first one did mm-hmm. uh this game probably i won't make that argument uh-huh. uh <laughs> maybe very early but yeah. not uh, yeah i will always make that argument like i i like to walk around in games on foot mm-hmm. uh, a lot and yeah just being able to work it could have been a reward for like an early game boss or something like they could give it to you early but like make you earn it i, right. I just think that's better personally but i i completely understand why they do it in this game yeah it's one of those things where i think they didn't want to force people into fighting the early bosses um and in fact i did not uh i didn't beat uh godric until i don't know like 12 hours into the game or yeah, something? Yeah, like, I, I was, it was probably even longer for me. Like, I kept putting him off because he seemed so hard when I got to him. Right. Um, That, like, I was, like, I was thinking, like, maybe they structured this game to be, like, you do, like, all of the open world <laughs> and then you hit all the castles at the end. Right. Like, I didn't know if it was like that or not. So I just kept doing as much as I could before I even thought about going back. Like, it was probably, like, 25 to 30 hours before i fought godric <laughs> yeah it, it does it's like and it totally holds up under that like uh that level of restraint i guess like you can hold off from fighting even margit before you get to godfrey 
or Godric. Yeah. Uh, that's going to happen a couple times. Yeah, yeah. We have a list. I, I There's so many. I'll just read it off now because yeah. it came up. I wrote down this list. I was like, we were talking about the game, you know, as we were playing it. And every time I would try to, like, reach for a name, I would not remember it. And I'd be like, oh, you know, like the moon lady. Because um, I was like, when well, why can't I remember any of these names? And it's because. And even if somebody says, like, the moon lady, you're like, Ronnie, Rena, <laughs> yeah. Renala. Yeah. So. <laughs> The, the writing in this, they decided to go with, like, family names should be similar to each other. Uh-huh. So we have things like, we have Ranala, Rani, Radon, and Rikard. Like, three of the four of those are related to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Melina, Marika, Millicent, Margit, Margot, Melania, Malaketh, and Moe. And then Godric, Godfrey, and Godwin <laughs> are the ones that I wrote down because I thought I would need that to keep those straight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of similar names. There sure are. And they do all start with G, R, R, or Martin, M, (laughs) which is, uh... I did not even notice that. That's, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. It's extremely weird. That's like one of the few things that strikes me as odd because like, there are coincidences Mm -hmm. and then there are things that are very clearly not coincidences. (laughs) And I feel like this definitely falls under the latter category. Yeah, it has to be. If it stood out to me, there were that many names with the same letters. Mm-hmm. There had to have been a reason for it. And that seems like as good as any. Yeah. The uh, the in-universe reason for it is it helps keep the family yeah, yeah, straight. Yeah, yeah, the family names. But it's still hard, especially considering how much the game obscures parts of it Mm -hmm. like and i guess big ending spoilers that we already told you to get the fuck out if you didn't know what was going on in this game uh but the final boss radagon right is merica they're the same entity but the androgynous final boss yeah but until but as of right now i don't know if that was always the case or if they merged at some point. Yeah, my completely baseless speculation, or like it's just how it kind of came off to me, is I think Merica was a woman yes. originally, and then whatever happened with the Elden Ring that made her go inside the tree, uh, like I think she merged with like another like entity or whatever to create, like maybe the Elden Beast itself. Right. Or something. I think this is because I played it, it, with Miracles it, yeah, my first It felt like through. a two people merged into one kind of thing to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that if you had, if I went by my gut feeling, I think they were two people who became a single entity yes. at some point. But we'll talk about the narrative in a bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, you better believe it. Yeah. We were talking about before, and the reason that we got to the names is because fighting Godric feels like it is the first big hurdle that you have to get over. Yeah. Um, and because they did make the boss... Okay, I fought Godric three times at this point, um, mm-hmm. like, on new characters. I fought Godric himself, like, nine times because I keep I kept uh, using him to farm runes early in my first playthrough. I would go back and, and co-op I gotcha, Godric. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 
like they made him difficult especially the first time that you like the your first playthrough Godric is going to seem really overwhelming compared to every other thing that you've done up to that point yeah i i even thought that it, i don't remember if it's margot or margot margot's the first fight. yeah okay yeah. margot with an o with the i with the i so margot yes this is why i wrote these down yeah margot the fell omen yeah like i thought even he f- was really hard because like the game leads you up to the castle to start um and then he uh, he's supposed to kick your ass to make you like go turn around and explore the open world yeah you have to put um, your foolish ambitions to <laughs> yeah. rest but like yeah but both him and godric are like really aggressive um in a way that like i don't know almost off-puttingly so kind mm-hmm. of like um like uh what's his name Udix gundir or whatever in dark souls 3 like they just really smack you in the face right up top yeah and this game because i guess they just go back and forth with this does begin with a boss that you are supposed to die to or rather if you die to it you still progress yeah um and that and it's like it is like every other game, but I remember getting to there and being like, okay, maybe this is a sign that this game is going to be a little bit, like, more forgiving. And I don't know if that panned out or not, because I do feel like Margaret was very difficult when you first encounter him. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think I fucking ran into his arena at level, like, 15. It yeah. was like, hey, what's up, dude? And he was like, <laughs> poke, dead. Yeah. Use <laughs> my weapon that does vitality. damage through your shield on the first boss. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the fucking... Welcome to Elden Ring. Dagger, yeah. Yeah. So, that is tough. <laughs> for sure mm-hmm. <laughs> but it does it does get you to go out and explore and pick up some other stuff um i am surprised at seemingly the number of people who have had an abysmally difficult time on market oh yeah and have gone on to do like all kinds of other shit and like i really think that like market is designed to be fought at level like 25 30 in mm-hmm. that zone And yeah, on my first playthrough, I fought him around that. But then I was like 20 levels over level before I got to Godric. Because it was just like, after him, I was like, I just got to go do all this other stuff real real fast. And Godric's like dungeon area. Mm, Stormfell Castle or whatever. Yeah. Is, took me a million years to get through for some reason. Mm -hmm. I think because I was low level, but also because uh, I just like was going all over the place. Like die to a bird. That's cool. <laughs> I like ran around on the roofs for like half an hour. Uh she's like, what's up here? <laughs> More birds. Look at that. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh and so even in like the I think they call them legacy dungeons. Yeah. Um even inside of those I I found that there was a lot to do and explore beyond go forward past the enemies and get to the boss. Yeah. I want to shout out the message mechanic though, real fast. Sure. Because I think it is something that should just start being implemented into all open world games. Maybe not all. I think there's some that are more distinctly designed with like to guide a player's eye and not be like truly just, uh, a very realistic environment in the way that this game kind of is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are tons of fucking things that I would have just run right by on a horse 
without a message being like, hey, go left. And I'm like, what? What's left? Oh, like a whole dungeon? Like, that's fucking sick. And I love it. Thank you, guy. Rated good. I have really mixed feelings on the messages. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 My feelings on them are kind of like, I kind of hate the mechanic when the games are brand new and there's a million of them everywhere, but kind of love it a lot if you're playing it when the game's like three years old and there aren't as many. Uh, Like, I remember, especially, I think it was worst in, like, Dark Souls 3, like, playing that right when it came out. Like, every boss, it was, like, a carpet of fucking summon signs in front of the boss store. Uh Like, they were just fucking everywhere. Um, I think, yeah, it's not as bad in this one, and it makes a lot more sense in an open world game. But, like, 99% of them are dumb. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's, like, such a small percentage are, are actually helpful in my experience. And then like, so I just end up kind of tuning them out and do miss lots of stuff. Uh, I will, I read them only occasionally, like when they stand out to me for one reason or another. Yeah. The, the definitely the downside of the message mechanic is that the cat is out of the bag at this, at this phase of the game where in dark souls, in demon souls, when you left a message, uh-huh. did you, did you, could you leave a message? Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, and uh, they almost always said sticky white stuff, because that co- was something you could write in Demon's Souls, yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, long before we had Tri-Seed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you would write a message, you'd see a message, and you'd like look at it, and it would be like, blah, 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 do this thing. But then on occasion, rarely, you would open a message, and it would say, like, try jumping uh, next to a cliff. Uh-huh. And in your first Souls game, you might try jumping. Definitely a possibility. Mm-hmm. We are beyond that as a community. <laughs> I think that everybody knows most messages telling you to do a thing are lying. And very few of them are trying to actually help you. And I, <laughs> I love that there is... The 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 idea that you're like reading messages from other people and you have to determine using some of your own common sense whether or not the thing that it's telling you is genuine because it isn't a developer message. It's just left by a random guy. And I read these, but there's just now it's like a million to one. There will be one message. It's like try left. And then a hundred messages that are like... Liar ahead. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't give a shit if this guy is lying to me (laughs) about there being a a secret passage or whatever. Like, I'm more annoyed by the people who are trying to be benevolent and call out the people who are lying. It's just so many of the messages are utterly worthless. But I gotta read all of them. There's there's too many big brother types trying to look out for you Uh and tell you about the liars. (laughs) That guy's lying. Like I said, I I, I told you this before, but like I got, because this was a a problem, quote unquote, in Bloodborne as well in the uh, uh, Chalice Dungeons. Mm -hmm. Because in the Chalice Dungeons, there were illusory walls where there weren't any in the main game. And... So tons of people being like, "Hey, check, hit, try attacking this wall," and then people would be like, "Oh, the liar ahead, 
can't attack this wall. You're not saving anybody any time. And eventually it I just... It takes more time to read a message than to try rolling into the wall. Exactly. So eventually I just kind of like started ignoring it, whatever. It kind of faded into the background. In this game, there were so many liar ahead messages that I just started putting really uplifting messages in front of them. Because as soon as the, the person who writes the message that says, try secret passage logs off the message goes away mm-hmm. and doesn't come back until they log back on so there are tons of messages that say liar ahead with nothing in front of them so i would just go in front of it and say like you can do this and they're like liar ahead i'm like haha get fucked <laughs> now you look like an asshole <laughs> uh that was a big thing on messages but i really just wanted to say i like that they pointed out when there was a cave yeah for sure Uh, so I guess we were talked about like our initial experiences a little bit. Um, and so I, I started out playing this game a lot like it was just Dark Souls. And I think one of the reasons why is um, after you, you fight that boss that most people will die to at the beginning of the game and you wake up in the whatever temple of whatever yeah. of America or whatever. Um I, I I walked right past that ghost who's sitting in the chair that like points out that there's like a cliff that you can jump down. I was like, walk right past it, talk to him. I'm like, oh, that's probably like an area to come back to later. Mm. And then just kept walking and left the building. Uh, don't know why I thought that. And it just made so much sense in my head that that would be like an area to come back to. Um, then came back to it probably like 50 hours into the game. <laughs> And went down there, and it's the tutorial area. And I was like, oh. So I didn't know about, like, the Statues of America or, like, the riposte attack or the jumping attack or, like, how any of it worked. Right. Um, It mostly just backstabbed a lot of stuff. Like, I, I learned a lot of the mechanics on my own, but, like, it took a while because I just completely skipped that. That yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and was shocked when I came back, and it was a tutorial area somehow. It's also extremely. I didn't realize that you could go back. I'm sure that if I thought about it for even a second, I would have come up with that conclusion. Yeah, I don't know why. It just like it felt so clear in my mind. Like it was like a thing that if I went down there, I get killed by like a super like uh, like it would be like the catacombs in the first game. Right. Like I go in there and just get bodied by something that was like really high level. Is how that read to me. Right. Yeah, I don't remember what the ghost says, but it should say something like, uh, if you're new to Dark Souls, roll on down. Yeah. Take the plunge. I should have just checked die. it out, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's very much like also kind of indicative of the way that I played this game is like, I looked at the door in front of me and said, Fuck you, door, and See, did a dive roll into that big hole. Yeah, I'm usually not like that, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I usually, like, especially, uh, I think we talked about this on Breath of the Wild, but, like, I usually, like, in games like this that are really open, uh, like to, like, follow the breadcrumb trail at the beginning because it usually points out how the game works to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in this one, I don't know why. I just so confidently walked right past that, like, obliviously. Yeah. Yeah, I actually wanted to... I'm glad that you brought this up because uh, one of my main takeaways from the very beginning of this game is I was surprised at how naturally 
I felt like I was using the new mechanics. Um, specifically, and part of the reason why great shields are so great in this game is that guard counter move. Yeah. Finally, fighting with a great shield looks cool as well. Um, you block a thing and you press the R2 button and you get this big wind up, makes a cool noise, uh, and you're likely to stagger opponents, which is another new thing. Um, and also jump attacks build up the stagger meter faster as well. So I found myself very quickly getting into a flow where it's like this type of enemy, like I would have a strategy, you know, like somebody would attack me, you block it, you guard counter, you get around them, do a jump attack to approach, that kind of a thing where you just kind of have to judge what to do. And you had a lot of tools at your disposal and I didn't feel like I was being forced into using them. Mm-hmm. I felt like I wanted to use them. Like, there were clear opportunities for me to use the new mechanics uh, in a way that it it honestly might feel weird going back to older games now where I don't have the jump attack and don't have guard counters. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree once I finally started using them. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, the jump attack is great. Um and I, I find myself, like, mostly using chump attacks, like, on bosses and stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, and the guard counter is great, too. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, it's it, it just nice because, like, they both feel just as satisfying as the backstab. And so now, instead of, like, strafing around everything and trying to stab it in the back, it, you have two other options, like, of, <laughs> like, satisfying big damage things to do. Um, in addition to, like, your regular attacks. Like, they, they, they slot in nice. And they feel almost tailor-made for big weapon strength builds. Yeah, it's nice to be able to, like, counter-attack quickly. Yeah. I just don't get the all of the people saying the strength is too weak oh, at this point. Yeah, I mean, join join the club. We've got jackets. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've always been a strength build guy. Yeah. And everyone dumps all over playing with the shield always, so. That's true. Yeah, but now people are saying, like, oh, strength doesn't do enough or whatever. Mm. Like, it's not, it doesn't do enough damage to justify its slow. But fuck you. Get a big shield. <laughs> block, do the guard counter, jump attack. Jumping attack. I just, say, I just say it's so different from how like the community seems to play the game. It's true, yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, I, I've I don't know. <laughs> like these new mechanics. One mechanic that I don't know how I feel about uh, that does tie into the exploration a bit as well uh, is horse torrent the horse. I do have that in the notes to talk about the horse. We got to talk um, about that horse. Because I, as I said a little while ago, I like just walking around in games. Mm-hmm. I might be in the minority that likes to walk around and not warp and stuff or like ride a horse or I just kind of like to walk around and explore. But um, so, yeah, I didn't ride Torrent much at all uh, in the early game. Like, I, you know, like I, I feel like when I was just explore like that very early just exploration setting out figuring out how big the world is blah 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 like your limb grave and uh (laughs) liernia or whatever it's called um exploration it was like mostly just me walking around um and then like once i started using torrent like i did enjoy uh riding him he's really um good for certain bosses and uh he has that thing um I don't know why more games with horses don't make them spirit horses because um, in Darksiders 2, you have a horse and you summon him out of thin air the exact same way where you uh. just run, you whistle for him and he you jump up and he materializes under you and same thing. Uh, so it's like a seamless get on and off your horse whenever mm-hmm. mechanic. I was like, 
thumbs up for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, one thing that really put me off of it though is how if like something kills Torrent while you're on him, you can take a bunch of damage too. Oh sure. Like there were times when like uh, there was this one boss, it was like a tree sentinel knight that's on a big horse or whatever oh, outside yeah, yeah. of the capital. Like you have to go around the back of it, and he's like, yeah, the draconic tree sentinel. Yes, the draconic yeah. tree sentinel. I remember trying to fight him on Torrent, and then once he and it worked really well until he uses lightning moves. Yep. And then if one of those hit him, he died, and then it would hit me, and it would kill me. Like I would, <laughs> if I took that attack off the horse, it would do like maybe a third of my health bar. But if I got hit while on the horse, it one hit kill me, and that feels so bad. Yeah, it it is it is weird. Um, but it, it made me good at getting on and off the horse quickly. <laughs> Which is important. There's yeah. iframes getting on and off the horse, yeah. which is extremely Which I learned weird. from that fight, so I guess that <laughs> might be the point of it. But, but maybe. That, uh, I will say my first time through, it took me a little bit to to beat the Draconic uh, Tree Spirit. Yeah, I ended up just fighting him on foot. Yeah, same. Uh, but then there's another one near the end of the game. Uh, another, on the stairs? On the stairs. And when he hit me with the lightning move, mm-hmm. no matter where the fuck I was, I died instantaneously. <laughs> it was See, a one shot yeah, every time. That one was much easier for me at that point. <sighs> yeah. I, may, I do not know as well how it went my first time through, mm-hmm. but at least on the mage <laughs> character, uh, he fucked me up Supremo style and I died. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, uh, horse. Well, uh, the other thing. So I, I agree with you. I You're think just dying on him felt weird sometimes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's my big note. Dying on the horse feels weird. I think that uh, not to fucking rehash that video on the internet. I think fall damage works strangely with the horse. Oh yeah, shout out illusory wall. Yeah, if you like nitty gritty how mechanics work in games kind of content yeah and he did one on the the fall damage and how it's calculated and it's it's entirely distance based um it's how far it's it's unintuitive it sure is especially when you're on the horse because it feels like that should allow you to fall a greater distance by video game logic. No horse parachute here. Yeah, you cannot horse par- I was very excited about the concept of horse parachute. More like a horse cement block <laughs> in this game. Yeah. But, yeah, you do. You, he just dies, and so do you, in a, in a horrible way. Um, and double jumping before you hit the ground, despite the fact that I will always do it uh, just from some yeah. kind of weird muscle memory. It doesn't let you if you fall from a certain height. Like, mm. it, you lose the ability to do it. But yeah, if you can't, it does feel, if you've played video games, you will definitely try to double jump right before you hit the ground. <laughs> that just does not work in this one. Uh, which is probably a good thing, because they do want to keep, uh, they use terrain as a way to sort of, like, gate where you can go. Not, like, literally where you can go, but how you can get from place to place. Yeah. They want you to have to circle around. Yeah, the pace of the game that way. Yeah, so you don't just fucking do wild shit all day long. Um, But, uh, I don't know. I agree with you from the beginning, though. I was resistant to horse. Right, I know you hate horses in games. Hate horses in games. But, I also hate 
doing things slowly. And Torin is fast, and so yes, I use Torin. Name for might that. imply. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and and honestly, like I loved how zippy your character feels, and I think that the solution of in out of combat stamina drain is fucking genius. Huge good decision. Yep, you can just run, and it does not affect your stamina at all. Yeah, until something actually attacks you. Yeah. Um, this does like it, it's abusable, quote unquote, in yeah. the literal most minor way imaginable. Where like maybe you get like a free attack on one guy, sure. Uh, but it is so not a big deal that this just is the best thing that they did is make the stamina only drain when you're in combat. Uh, and I was yeah. really pleased with that. Oh yeah, it made me think of Final Fantasy fifteen. When you're running around in the overworld, it does drain your stamina bar. But if you let go of it, I think, or double tap it or something, like right before it hits the bottom, it refills. So <laughs> you can just keep running infinitely if you do that little thing. Um, get rid of that. <laughs> just let you fucking run around. Yeah. In your big world. <laughs> but like in uh, Final Fantasy fifteen. They do give you a car in Elden Ring. Yeah, His and, a name is Torn. <laughs> and a chocobo. And a chocobo. I will say the one thing that I don't... This is like a weird thing, because I've tried many different weapons in this game at this point, and all of them feel like shit garbage on the horse, oh, except yeah. for a greatsword. Even colossal greatswords feel so ridiculously sluggish on the horse, mm-hmm. and you're just gonna miss shit all the time. Greatswords are like the perfect like middle of the, because of the hitbox. Yeah, it's the whole length of the blade. Yep, and it's like re- you get a big area, and it comes out way faster than a colossal sword. Uh, and then the smaller weapons is like, why are you even trying? Yeah, it's like I started out as the hero class because mm-hmm. um, I, I wanted to do a melee class. And I was like, I'm always just the knight. So I go with something a little bit different. Um, so and you start with an axe. So I'm like, I'm going to do an axe playthrough. Um, and so I used both Godric's axe. And then at the end of the game, I used Godfrey's axe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found because Godric's is shorter, it actually worked better on the horse godfrey's is so long that you often overshoot what you're trying to hit uh, so it's like there is a sweet spot of weapon uh hitbox i think that feels good on the horse yeah it's definitely it's, not yeah claws i can tell oh, you that God, yeah. claws are bad on horse <laughs> for sure and honestly that was the death knell for colossal swords for me i think at the end of my first playthrough i was regularly using the black blade as one of my main weapons. Uh, but every time I got on a horse, I was like, why is this so fucking slow? So please stop being so slow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it got very frustrating. Uh, and it just made me not use the horse in combat yeah, ever again. It just, it felt like a nice optional thing mm-hmm. for me. It, it felt like a, like almost like a puzzle solution thing as weird as that sounds to say like i would get to a boss and be like uh having a hard time with it i'm like oh can i use torrent like Mm -hmm. would that make this boss easier like that was like the main like one of like other than just getting around through an area uh, i just wanted to get through (laughs) that was his main utility but like second to that like i thought it seemed like a 
just a thing in your tool belt that like might be useful sometimes. And I kind of liked it in that way. I think we should talk about bosses and stuff after the break, but I want to wrap up the conversation about Torrent Mm -hmm. and talk about one boss briefly. I just want to interject uh, in here real quick before we move on. Uh, you have a regular jump button. We haven't mentioned that. Oh, yeah. We talk about how your horse can jump, <laughs> uh, but not how you can. It's mu- mu- another similarity to Breath of the Wild. Uh, they just give you a regular jump in a series where you didn't have a regular jump before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will be another one of those things where I think it will feel weird to go back to the older games and not just be able to freely jump around. Yep. Yeah, and also the... Because they put jump on... We're going to use PlayStation controls because yeah. that's what we're used to. X yeah. or A, I guess, on the Xbox controller. I think it'd be B, actually, because I think it's A, B. It's been a long time since I've used an I'm, Xbox I'm pretty controller. sure A is the bottom one and B is to the right on an Xbox controller. You're probably right. So but, A yeah. uh, and Y would be the triangle alternative. Putting Y on, putting except on triangle mm-hmm. fuck buttons all day <laughs> uh and the jump on the bottom was a bit of a uh i don't know it threw me for a bit of a loop but mostly because i play bloodborne more than any other yeah. dark souls game so i would be like hit triangle to uh to heal no you don't do that it didn't take me long to yeah. k- kick that habit but it is weird getting used to the jumping and not jumping when you're trying to accept a message, and right. jumping instead of rolling off of yeah, things, j- adjusting to how to two hand now because that's different. Oh yeah, and it's <laughs> that's one like, of the hardest things in the game. I did find myself like trying to tap the circle button to jump. Oh, I just grabbed this because I know it's opposite on Nintendo controllers. Yep. Yeah, it is A at the bottom on an Xbox controller because it's B on, on the Switch controller. There it is. But any, but anyway, um. Yeah, that's all. I just wanted to not not mention that. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> and it also, this game includes, uh, if you loved getting into the gutter or uh, the... Laddersmith Thomas is back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, or jumping down the uh, the Great Hollow or whatever other weird platforming shit that was in... Like Bloodborne getting to the old Hunter's Workshop. Yeah. This game now just puts big tombstones all over the overworld that you can jump down uh, to give you that falling for a while experience that you so desperately crave. Uh, but yeah, no, the one, the one last thing on the horse that I wanted to mention uh, is... On the final boss, uh, on the Elden Beast, mm-hmm. I felt like the fact that the ride horse flag was turned off, the, the no, the is a mistake. Like it's a bug that they haven't patched yet, <laughs> because I feel like that boss is so fucking distant from you all the time. I kept wanting to get on the horse. It was like the first thing I tried when I got into the boss arena, mm-hmm. as I was like, oh, definitely a horse boss. Then pulled out the horse, and you're just like, oh, don't know what to do. I, I think I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're definitely onto something, because that's another thing that feels very Zelda to me. Like you'd have the more humanoid version of the boss that you would fight as a guy with yeah. a weapon, and then it would turn into a big beast, and you'd have to fight it on horseback. Yeah, it, 
It's like it's like a classic scene. It is like a classic scene. <laughs> uh, but I want to get very much in depth about that boss and others after, after the, the break. break. Ooh. <gasps> yep, it's gonna this is gonna be a long Stop. one. Welcome back. Um, I want to talk about bosses. And I think I want to talk about them in broad strokes first, and mm. then maybe narrow in on a few uh, to talk about in more depth. Uh, because they are, like in most Dark Souls games, they're the big milestones um, for your progress. Uh, you go through an area, you say, oh, you know, I explored a bunch of this area, but... I haven't beaten the boss yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't, you're not done with something until you've beaten a boss in this game for the most part. Um, and I think they use bosses really well in this game. I think there's a quality of boss that is uh, up for debate, I think, in this game, where uh, they're really classic bosses in some of the older games. And then they're and they try and tailor them more to the mechanics of each of the games. What I've noticed in the series going through it is that the more Dark Souls games you play, the more all the bosses in Dark Souls One feel like they were made to be beaten by babies. And it's really strange because I remember playing Dark Souls and feeling like every boss was destroying me in every imaginable way. Mm-hmm. And then you come back to it after beating the other games and you just fucking like, Oh, Taurus demon more like a guy who lives in the garbage can. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and it's, it's really strange and you can see the evolution or depending on how you look at it, the devolution of how bosses have become way faster and rely a lot more on delayed attacks and, unpredictable timings uh the weird combos are the thing that like trip me up the most yeah all of a sudden i'm gonna do eight attacks in a row <laughs> that you've never seen before ha yeah <laughs> uh, that is definitely a thing they do mm-hmm. uh and it gets it, it gets worse or at least more frequent the further into the game that you get for the most part like uh, I sort of was, like, keeping track of, like, the bosses and how I felt about them as I was playing through. And I think the borderline for me is Malekith slash Beast Clergyman, uh, where I feel like that is on the borderline of acceptable for a non-optional boss. Um, on my first character, after beating the game, I took to the internet. I lifted my Google embargo mm-hmm. and said, now I can look stuff up. And the first thing I did was look up a list of every boss in the game and beat them all. Uh, so I've, I've fought every single boss in this game, including repeat bosses and group bosses. And I don't kn- I genuinely do not know how I feel because some of these bosses... I absolutely adore. I think some of them are some of my favorites in the series. And I am also incredibly disappointed in fighting the same boss, but now 
three of them. I d- that is not my favorite style of thing, mm-hmm. and it made me sad to have to do so many times. Uh, but I guess that is the price that you pay for having like really in-depth side content is that you just have to start reusing stuff. Yeah. And it, it or gets, the game will uh, never come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got there are so many things that you said. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I'm gonna be monologuing. Oh, it's I think. fine, it's fine. And I want you to also monologue sure, no, so I feel um, less bad about no, it. No, yeah, it's fine. Um <laughs> it, it was it's just gonna happen on this these kinds of episodes. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, there's a lot there because I know um like you said, like you like Dark Souls one now can seem a little bit weird. Um, and easy and a little bit janky even at sometimes when you look back at it compared to where the games are now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, that there's definitely like a section of the fan base. Like there's a reason why this happens. Like you, you get the people who are like, oh, people say Dark Souls should have an easy mode. I think it should have a hard mode for uh-huh. series <laughs> veterans because these games are too baby easy now. Um, like, yeah, like once you kind of like, what made the first game um, so hard as you touched on, I think, in the first half, and a reason why I said I really liked the game, why I'm particularly attached to the first one, is that it like felt different than other games at the time. Like you kind of went into it, you didn't know how it worked. You had to like figure every little thing out about it. Um, and you know, that's not for everybody, but if, if you do click with it, like you get really attached to it. Mm. Um, and if you play all these games, you get better and better at them. You could get more and more familiar. Um, and like, you can be like me and walk right past all the tutorials and be totally <laughs> fine and not even really notice that you did it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that there's definitely like a weird, like, it's hard to gauge the difficulty. Like when people talk online about which game's the hardest and which one's the easiest, it always like feels completely different than what you think yeah um so yeah it's kind of hard to talk about that kind of stuff um without being just completely subjective um but yeah the guy, what was the second part of your statement i want i felt like anyone to respond to that too uh the fact oh, that we're they... repeat bosses yeah repeat. yeah I, yeah I, I think you said it already um it's just kind of a necessary evil um, as somebody who didn't go and fight all the bosses in the game, <laughs> I experienced that a lot less. So if you're just doing kind of a more normal air quotes, uh, playthrough, that won't be as much of a thing, but you'll mm-hmm. definitely see it. I definitely fought those, uh, crystal jumping around guys, uh, all like what of three or four times. Yep. Um, I did go and find the ones that gave you scarlet rot and did beat them. Um, <laughs> A really good spirit ash for that one is um, the one who's like a cleric lady who will just heal you. Oh, yeah. She's really good for that fight. Yeah. I Actually, <laughs> we didn't talk about the ashes. No. We, we will. And also, this kind of does play into um, what you were just saying about like how pe- there are people who are veterans of the series who are always going to be the people who come in and say, like, oh, you thought that was hard? I've one try. I beat it with a... <laughs> Rock band drum set. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I beat Dark Eater Madeer with one hand, first try. The controller wasn't even plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we played most, both of us played this game mostly uh, pre patch. So before 1.03, uh, just to date yeah, this a bit. Yeah, that was recently. Like when they added the merchant icons to the map. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been nice to have. 
Sure would have. I think there's a... This is the one thing, like, I would like this episode to be relevant to you if you've played the game at release or if you played it forever uh, afterward. Mm -hmm. Either one, though, there is an important distinction to make as of this of today right now is that they did update this so there there are some things that we're going to be talking about that are relevant to release that are not necessarily as relevant anymore i fought radon two times both of those times were before the patch that nerfed him so i'm going to complain about radon a little <laughs> bit um but i don't think that radon is is one of the worst offenders here um and spirit ash is also um those people who talk about how easy the game is are this is a straw man dark souls fan and i'm just Uh acknowledging that right now but a hypothetical dark souls person who says don't play the game with spirit ashes they're basically summoning uh is not us we Mm -hmm. definitely are not the people who one who coasted through this game with extreme ease and also you can play this game however the fuck you want to play yeah. it, and it sh- I don't know why people care. Well, people are prone to being elitists about stuff. Yeah. It's, like, it's just the way some people are. Um, and But I think it's one of the things, um, like what you were talking about, is one of the things that's so great about these games is they can be as hard as you want them to be. Like, mm-hmm. the difficulty is kind of baked into it. Like, you think the game's too easy, like... You can play level one all the way through the game. Like, you don't have to upgrade your weapons. You don't have to, like, uh, cash in the seeds to upgrade your flask. Like, it can be harder if you want it to be. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. I, it, it seems like a, it's a silly thing to complain about. Uh, yeah, and I agree. So, basically, I'm saying anything that you did in this game... To make the fights easier, oh, yeah. or I to make them harder. For all the late game bosses, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. <laughs> it was mostly a time thing. Yeah. Well, I also <laughs> want to say, uh, as but some... I still probably would have done it anyway on some of them. <laughs> I summoned uh, people on, I think, three bosses in this game. Uh, one of which was just to see how it worked because mm-hmm. I didn't know. Um, I was interested in the summoning pool. I was like, I don't know what this is. So I summoned a guy in a cave <laughs> at the very beginning of the game. And we fought the uh, the demi-human leaders, the ones that drop the, uh, the sewing needle, mm. uh, in a cave very early in the game. It was fun. I had a great time with that guy hitting a, a kind of easy boss <laughs> uh-huh. and just smashing his brains out. Uh, it was a good time to do it. I generally don't summon, but it's mostly for... T- it's because I'm lazy mm-hmm. or impatient, I think maybe is the better word. I don't like to stand around and wait for somebody to put a sign down sure. or in this game connect to somebody. So I'll just fucking run in. Oftentimes I would like pop one of the things, be like, this boss gave me a lot of grief. Let me try and summon a person. And I do the thing and I wait for 10 seconds and I'm like, oh, there's nobody here. And I just run <laughs> in anyway and I fucking die. <laughs> uh so yeah, absolutely nothing uh, against that, but it might sort of influence the way that you perceive difficulty of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I say that Malekith is on the borderline of difficulty um, for a non-optional boss, I was thinking that in my first playthrough when I was a strength build with a great shield. Mm-hmm. When I was playing as a mage, I beat him on my first attempt without even really trying very hard. <laughs> and it is... 
almost baffling to me that a that because that must seemed like I would I was worried about it going in as a mage. Mm-hmm. I was like, he's so fast, I'm gonna miss him with every spell, and he's gonna run in and just fucking kill me in one hit. Uh, but he just takes so much damage <laughs> that you just kill the shit out of him without without really trying to. Um, so it it is. It's a weird dichotomy where a boss can seem very difficult and then also become easy with a different strategy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the games have always kind of been that way. Um, mm-hmm. it was always it's always been a thing with me and JJ. Uh in the first game in the first dark souls where he had a lot of trouble with the four kings because yeah. he played like a super careful uh hide behind a shield and poke things with a spear kind of character <laughs> uh-huh. and i played like a tanky knight and like i beat them maybe like in two or three tries and he fucking beat his head against that boss for like ever on it and like you know worried about it his whole playthrough so yeah your 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 character um can definitely yeah your build can really affect certain bosses um yeah this game's no exception like uh yeah i I think we probably like uh fall in like a middle ground where like we're probably more into these games than the average person but not like Mm -hmm. super hardcore like uh i want the game to bust our balls with (laughs) uh super hard uh bosses um so yeah i also feel similar about malekith um he seems like a like a DLC boss that I find too hard and refuse to fight without summoning for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like trying, I don't know how many tries that would have taken me if I hadn't summoned for it. Yeah. Malekith is just, he's so much to deal with and his damage over time on his like big explosion attack is, is absurd. Like it deals so much damage and he moves so fast that it's difficult for you to find a place to go and heal. Um, but this is more specific. I want to talk about it generally because, and I think Malekith emphasizes the two big points that I wanted to make here, is one, one of the things that I that this game punished me for, as opposed to other Dark Souls games, is I have a tendency to heal directly in the face of the boss, uh, and I think you've actually pointed this out. I don't You're think I would have ever healer. thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> is I take damage to the point where the next attack is going to kill me, and I just drink immediately. I'm like, aha, you can't kill me if I have Estus left. I'll just take one more hit, and then I can resume the assault. Mm-hmm. This game punishes the shit out of you if you do that. Almost every boss reads your heal input and does an attack. And even if you back up, a lot of them will do, like, a ranged attack or mm-hmm. a thrust move. But that is way easier to deal with than when you try and just drink right in front of them and they just smash your fucking head in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got dumpstered quite a few times by by a boss just hitting me while I was trying to heal until I learned that you actually have to make space in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh and then the other thing is, I think I'm the only person in the world, based on what I've I've read, who just loves to fight a big monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Malekith totally falls under that category of being just a big monster, mm-hmm. uh, and don't like the human-sized bosses as much. Um, there are exceptions, but for the most part, you give me like a giant thing, and I'm going to be excited to fight it. Mm-hmm. Um and I think this game actually does them maybe second best 
uh, despite everyone I've heard saying that that isn't true. So this might be more personal preference. Mm -hmm. But with only a few exceptions, I thought the giant enemies were done really well in this. Yeah, I don't know if I have that much to say on that. Um, It it felt very much in line with the other games for me, where, like, I feel like the bosses and, like, the big, like, beast-style enemies are always a mixed bag, Mm -hmm. and this game's no exception, so... Fair enough. Don't have strong opinions on it. <laughs> um, all right. Are there um, specific bosses that you want to like highlight as things that you enjoyed or especially hated? Um, I don't know if we should jump into this right away. I do have a a, a note on bosses. Um, but sure. I, I guess I will say some. I'll call out a boss first uh, before I do that. Um, I think it's is it Moog? Was he the one who's the shard bearer? Yeah, and he's got the twin brother. Who's yeah. the other one? Mo- <laughs> Moog and Morgot are related, but in the way that they're both omens. Right. Which is the, they're the big spiny boys. The uh, one that I fought last night who has the blood magic. Yeah, that's Moog the... Okay, I thought I read earlier online that the other one who looks just like him is his twin brother. I thought Moog the omen, or... Er, I think is the name of the one that you fight in the in the underground in the right. underground shunning room or whatever uh-huh. is like Margit in that it's like a projection mm. of Moog, Lord of Blood. Okay, I mean that might be the case. I just thought I read that they were brothers. I could also be pulling that straight out of my ass. So um. do not take me at face value on that at all. Either way, take me an ass uh, value on that. There's two of them, uh, and the one who is the blood magic real one uh-huh. uh, who has the shard. Uh, might have been my favorite boss in the game. I, I really liked that fight. Um, it was one that felt like like a more traditional style boss mm-hmm. um, with like a, a mechanic, like a unique mechanic where he had the magic that would de- uh, deal damage to you over time if you stood in it. And it just it felt just right, like enough of a like its own unique mechanic without feeling gimmicky in a way that just I feel like I did it. At, a appropriate level or it like wasn't too hard like it, it it landed just right for me i liked it yeah i think and i have i also have a note that is in the don't want to get into it right now category uh-huh. um but i wanted to offer moog as a counterpoint to that note um but i also yeah i'll, I'll at least say like with moog i took moog on at like level 120 like i fought him before i beat the game mm-hmm. um and Moog took me four hours. It's the longest time that I spent on any boss in this game. Interesting. Um, and I I just kept going at it over and over again. But I didn't change anything, right? Like, I went in, I had my build, I felt like I was going to be able to beat it, and I just went in until I learned it, and then I beat it, and at the end I felt really good. I was like, hooray, I beat Moog, and I didn't jump over the wall and turn his AI off. Uh, but they patched that out as well. Um, but you could do that. Uh, so after I, I killed Moog, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, that was a good fight. Like, I really like the Moog fight. Um, and to me was not the hardest boss in the game, but ended up being the hardest boss because I just went at it in the, in fucking just me versus Moog and figured it out and learned how to fight the stupid demon man. Mm Mm-hmm. The boss that I was going to offer it as a counterpoint to is is Melania, uh, who I think is a harder boss than Moog, but only took me an hour and a half to beat because I 
respect and change my build completely for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a thing that I want to say about Melania. I don't even know if I wanted to go on the podcast or not. Uh-huh. I just want to say it. Uh, but I think we could circle back to it because I there's a, a point that I want to make a little closer to the end mm-hmm. uh, that'll be more appropriate at that time. Um, yeah, I like Mug. I think he's good. Uh, so my my thing I want like my, my note on bosses that I wanted to talk about is um is the notion of gimmick bosses in the Souls uh, franchise, um, as I, I was alluding to earlier. Like I think all of the games have some of these, some more than others. Like they have bosses that kind of focus more on like a unique experience or some kind of like as I said gimmick. Um, and I think I, I fall, I'm in the minority of people who really like those. Sure. Um, like I think, you know, like they, it's like having, it's almost like an album, like where you have like a couple of standout tracks that feel different than the others. Like they, I think they strengthen the whole for me and like make like the, the, the boss lineup feel more memorable. Like I think Dark Souls three probably has like mechanically like the best lineup of bosses but it also the least memorable in my opinion like when i think of dark souls 3 i think the first boss i think of is deacons of the deep which is the most gimmicky boss it has yeah um and i tend to like bosses like well there's ancient wyvern sure sure (laughs) oh yeah that too that's a good example um uh but i tend to like bosses like something like gwendolyn or like the moonlight butterfly or like something that most people won't put as their favorite right um and i I, but i was surprised that like most of the uh main shard bearer bosses in this are gimmick fights um like i i really liked renala's it felt very demon souls to me um i i liked radon i know you hated him but i loved like having to like summon a bunch of npcs to like fight him in a big desert on a horse or whatever it just like felt so unique and uh, also um rykard you had to fight him with like a unique weapon which is also very demon soulsy um that you have to like and he's like a big snake ball man mm. that you just have to jab with this air spear <laughs> um but yeah i was surprised that they took that approach um I don't know. It just it stood out to me. I was I was surprised that it worked out that way. Yeah, uh, I'm a little upset that you fucking jumped in before I could, because <laughs> in my top bosses of the game, solidly number like probably three or four is Rykard. I think Rykard is. People may or may not like the Storm Ruler fights. Um, yeah, I think that even if you don't like them. You have to agree that Rykard is the best one. Yeah, it's it's so much better than the giant, or what was his name? Yorm. Yorm. In three, yeah. yeah. Yorm's machete. <laughs> Vomit on his sweater already. Um, Rykard appeals to me as a 90s kid who grew up with an 80s brother. Like, the it is such a fucking, like, horrible monstrosity of a boss and the design is like stupid, like it's cool, bordering on stupid. Like when he pulls the sword out of the snake mouth, and it's got like a bunch of little bodies on it, mm-hmm. and he himself is a big face on the <laughs> neck of a snake that then just like 
limply hangs behind yeah. him. It's the kind of thing that you can only do with really good art direction. Yeah. And From Software thankfully has that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, the Riker fight I thought was fucking amazing. It's probably a little bit too easy. It's pretty easy. But... I don't necessarily know that that's the worst thing that could happen to this fucking Teenage Mutant Turtles ass. No, I think it's it's balanced just right, because you have to use that weapon to fight him, mm-hmm. more or less. I don't know if you can fight him without it. You can, but okay, it's yeah. it would be harder. Um, so, yeah, like it, it can't be too hard, or like people would fucking hate that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, th- I felt just right to me. It probably took me, like, six to eight tries yeah i can't see i think i was... you just have to learn what things will kill you yeah and then it's and then it's not it's not bad yeah. you get to figure out how to dodge the big explosion attack and all that stuff yeah i think i came at everything probably a little bit higher level than you just based on the time i spent on yeah, the game definitely because Rikard def- it took me i think three attempts to beat mm. and yeah i think i beat the game at level like 126 right i was level 141 when yeah. i finished the game um or 139 it was like in that zone yeah like in the 140 zone um and uh but i i went into record i think one of the distinct advantages i had is that i had points in mind and you definitely did not yep i went classic me build or it's just like put everything in strength endurance and health yep and that's all you need yep i uh so i came in with a few more uses of the serpent hunter uh weapon art which does just stupid damage to him uh which is is probably why it ended up being a little bit easier. The fight just lasted less time. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But I ended up loving it, though. Like, no, it's, it's cool. Uh, it's cool. It's so it's, good. It's definitely a highlight. Like, I liked his whole castle. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that part of the game was really cool. Like, um, I mean, other parts of the game could be described like this. Like, where you're, like, snaking your way up a mountain to a summit. Snaking. Uh, yes. <laughs> Maybe subconsciously <laughs> intended. Um. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, like, there's something about, like, that his volcano manor castle. Like, it, it just felt really cool and, like, different from other things uh, in the game. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely, like, a cool part. And it had, like, illusory walls and stuff. Like, it just felt... And it was hard for... It took me a long time to figure out how to get to it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it was, like, a whole thing, like, getting into his castle and doing that whole stretch. It's definitely, like, a highlight of the game yeah. for me. I think this is probably good enough as time as any, and we'll come back to some of the other bosses that I wanted to highlight, um, to mention just sort of the the level of nonlinearity in this game. You expect a lot of it from an open-world game, sure. Mm-hmm. But I found that... It was very cool that there were so many different ways to approach all of the... With, with the exception of uh, the, uh, the Academy, Raya Lucaria, um, it, that to me felt very like, you do this thing, and maybe there's a couple of branching paths on the way there, but you always have to go through the front door, you always have to fight the red wolf and then you have to beat the boss. And it's, it's pretty uh, much a straight shot. I still like that level. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that right from the beginning uh, with St- storm Vale castle, whatever. Um, yeah. That's what it's called. Cool. <laughs> um, you can talk to Gastok 
the dude who just stands there and is like, go through this hole in the wall. And you can go through that hole in the wall. And there's like a, a whole area. You run up the side of the building and there are guys there and some dudes shoot arrows at you. And there's he locks you in a room with a big knight and you take a big lift up a tower. Or you tell him, fuck off open the gate and he opens the gate and you can just run and like roll past the ballista shots and do like a fucking castle siege to get to essentially the same place. One is just way harder, but takes infinitely less time. Uh, and then the other one is like the cool sneaky way. Similarly, uh, Radon's area, red man castle, uh, I know that you found something that just teleports you to where it is. Yeah, so I don't know how this works, and I didn't try Googling it. I don't know. The information on it probably doesn't exist yet. Um, but because uh, it's not long after the game's been out. But like, mm-hmm. I think it depends on like when in the game you go there. It is. Because um, uh, the, the guy who's in like the hood with like the multicolored pants. I think his name is like Jaren. Sure, we'll call him Jaren. Yeah. It, um, if he's already there, then there's no enemies in the castle at all. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I and I I beat Radon like I because I when I got there like there were just no enemies. I walked right in and they were doing their whole like war speech or whatever. It's like we're gonna go fight the boss. <laughs> um, and uh, so I just did that and then I left and then I was doing um, what's her name like Selena the the witch, um. The one who you, like, take spells to. Where oh, like, yeah. Uh, that is at least close to her Yeah, name. it's something like that. <laughs> like, in order to progress her quest line, you have to go back to that castle and talk to Jaren. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's involved in her quest line. And then after you talk to him, he leaves. So I went and did that, and then I rested at a grace and came out, and then all the enemies were there. <laughs> like, it was really weird. It's like, <laughs> I feel like they need to patch something about this, or, like... Because it was, like, so weird. Because you mentioned something about a boss being there. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because yeah. um, then after I rested at the uh, the Grace, then the boss showed up. <laughs> and then I fought it, you know, at level, like, 130 or whatever and destroyed it. Yeah. But, like, it was just really funny to me how that worked out. Yeah. I, I Of the people that I've talked to about this game, specifically about that area, neither of them fought that boss. It was like I was being gaslit into thinking <laughs> that this boss didn't exist. Uh, I absolutely loved my experience with Red Man because of this, because I didn't know, I now know, and for those listening, if you want to min-max your playthrough and do this the way that you prefer, the Radon Festival does not begin until you enter the Altus Plateau. So if you do what I did on my first playthrough and beat all three of the ones before the Altus Plateau, um, then Redman will have enemies in it. The gate's locked. There's a giant guarding it. You have to make it across a bridge with people shooting fucking uh, big explosive balls at you. Uh, and I had an absolute blast with it because it's it is harrowing. You go from there's a there's a. Uh, the impassable great bridge grace Mm -hmm. you run across the the impassable great bridge which is deceptively pretty passable uh Uh, and you get to the other side and then there's ballista to deal with there's group enemies you don't have to engage with uh i did the first time killed him took all loot then got killed ran back you go across the bridge up a hill you have to parkour across all of the like little 
rampart zones you go around the back and there's a door you can sneak in but it's there's a bunch of bats there you go through the door there's like you're in a room and then there's just like several areas that you can go through and and then a big courtyard with two lions with knives on them and i was like you, like I basically played it like a Metal Gear Solid game where I was like, how much S's do I got? Love like two? <laughs> like I had to like slowly sneak by the lions and like made it to the grace eventually. And it was like, like big, like wiping the sweat off the brow. Like it's a big run, bigger than any other, I think in the game uh, without a grace. And then you find that boss. <laughs> That's a double boss. Um, and I didn't have much trouble with my first playthrough, and it just fucking it bodied the shit out of me uh, as a mage. Uh, that's the misbegotten warrior and mm-hmm. the uh, the Crucible Knight. Mm-hmm. Weezing Ed and some other guy. It's Weezing Ed and some <laughs> other guy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I love Redmayne pre-Altus and d- did it without it on my most current playthrough and was like, Eh, you know, whatever. Yeah, I was actually, like, kind of disappointed when I warped in there and there was nothing. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I, I remember after you told me that there that you fought a boss when you got there, I, like, left the courtyard where all the guys are. I'm, like, walking around looking for a boss. I'm like, where, where the fuck is this boss? Uh, I guess it's not here. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, like, early on in the game, uh, if you go to the lake where the dragon is the 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 first dragon of Mm. of many (laughs) um there is a little like burnt ruins area with a trap chest and it will teleport you to a place and is it is it kaled yeah the name of the area yeah and it like seems so horrible and depressing uh in as it's supposed to when you first get there yeah Uh, like it teleports you like way across the map uh to this very like hellish red diseased area um and like i just like as a result really like avoided the area for such a long time and then there's like later on there's one a, a little another little teleporty thing that teleports you there to like the beasts guys zone it's like all the way on the end of the area um and like i remember coming out of there and like fighting those little imp guys and like them giving you like a thousand runes a piece and then being like really hard for the point in the game that i was at mm-hmm. um and like i don't know just that area kept scaring me away from it um and to the point where i was like level like 115 and i still felt like i didn't want to go explore it <laughs> um even though i was more than capable of doing so at that point so like if i replay the game which i will eventually in the future exploring that m- more thoroughly earlier is something i definitely want to do but like it definitely pushed me away, and I wouldn't be surprised if it does that to other people too. Yeah, I, I think that's probably also the reasonable way to to approach it. I know when I got teleported there, I did a lot of stuff that was like I spent a lot of time there, mm. but I did not fight fucking anything. Yeah, like I immediately warped out. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I think I maybe like those bug enemies. Yeah, uh, like just fucking destroyed me. Like. <laughs> As they're supposed to when you get sent there. Yeah, they're called, like, Disciples of Rot, I think is what mm. they're called, which is a great name. Oh, yeah, they're super cool. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely just, like, put the fear in me. I was like, I'm not coming back here. Mm. 
Yeah. And I remember uh, when I was, when I finally got to the point where I was like exploring Kaled proper and actually killing enemies and, and doing shit, um, <laughs> I was going through and like, I'd fight a dude and like do this thing, go blah, blah, blah. And when I got to Radon, I was like, man, I feel like once I get up that elevator onto the next area, I'm basically like done with this game, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it was very much not true. Um, but for a long time, and I think this this adds to what you're saying about Kaled, is it feels like an end game area. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's not acknowledged as much by the game. Like, cause you you do Godric and the guy, the the all-knowing guy at the round table. Gideon. Gideon, the all-knowing or whatever he's called. Mm. The all-seeing or something like that. I think it is all-knowing. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, he'll tell you about um, um, Renala, and then you go do that, and then it switches to telling you to go to the capital. Right. Uh, and they leave Kaled out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, because like, I, th- I kind of assume the same thing. is like you want to make it to the Erd tree, and, like, that's, like, the end game thing is to get to the tree, right? Yeah. That seems to make sense. Um, but then, like, yeah, the game is, like, pushing you there earlier in the game than I expected it to. So, yeah, that did also stand out to me as kind of weird and also probably a reason why I was like, should I go to Kaled or should I go there later? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting because I, I was thinking about this. I, honestly, like, I'm glad we're recording this a little bit later than we normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a little bit more time to sort of think and, ex- and experiment with stuff. And one of the things I realized is they make it so that you have to have two great runes before you can go to the plateau. Uh, you get like dark souls one fog gate like the gold fog mm. over uh the, the lift I, i'm not exactly i never actually went prior to being no, allowed I didn't either yeah. yeah uh but it, it does it prohibits you from uh, going to the plateau before you have two runes and it means because i what i was thinking is how few bosses do you have to fight to win this game theoretically uh and I was like, oh, well, if you do Radon, but after the festival, then you only have to fight one guy, and then you can skip one of the other two. And I was like, oh, but wait. So if you, no matter what order you do them in, you have to beat two of Godric, Renala, and Radon. And most people are going to do Godric, Renala. Yeah. Um, and each of them has a mini boss before it. But if you do those two, then go to the plateau, then come back for Radon, he doesn't have a mini boss before it. But if you <laughs> don't, then he does. Right. So you have to fight four bosses to get off the plateau, regardless of the order you do them. And I was like, is that intentional? Is that something they would care about? And the answer seems to be yes to uh-huh. me. That's how I read it. I mean, that feels intentional to me. Yeah. It's just really it's strange. too specific not to be. It, yeah. I would think. But yeah, God, who would fight Radon over the other one? <laughs> Uh, okay, there are two things that this game has revealed that I suck at, uh-huh. and it's flying enemies and projectiles that come from very far away <laughs> and move slowly. Uh-huh. I don't know why, but I am incapable of dodging them. Radon sucks because of that second one. Uh, actually fighting Radon, I don't hate. Running up to Radon, I do hate a lot. Sure. Uh, and I died like fucking 12 times to him mm-hmm. and i normally with the exception of moog because i didn't know what the fuck else to do 
I'm not the kind of person who just bangs their head against repeating content until I get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I ran against Radon many times, and then I leveled to 70, and then I went back and I killed him in two tries. <laughs> uh, so I, I beat him on the Sorcerer character at a more reasonable level of, like, 60, but mm-hmm. it still was a boss that I had a ton of trouble with. And I think it's it's just because I hated running to him so much. Yeah, I, for me, like just the set pieciness of it, like makes up for it to me. Like him, like on the dune as you run at him and he fires arrows and you're summoning your friends. <laughs> like uh, there's just something about it that I just think is really cool. Um, which in uh, you know me, yeah, that makes up for a lot in my book. Um. But no, yeah, I mean, it also probably took me about like ten tries to beat him. Like, it mm-hmm. just it's something that like you do have to like figure out how it works. Like, uh, like um, how to like keep summoning the people once they die, and like how to avoid certain attacks, and what's the best way to go about it. Yeah, so it's it is kind of annoying. Yeah, I, I will never say that Radon is not cool. Yeah. The Radon fight is very cool, but it is just no fun for me. I I think it's mostly because at the time I wasn't using the Great Shield strats. I was using the Roll Around strats. And his fight is, he's very hectic because the AI expects you to have a million people with you at the time. Yeah. Like a bunch of those spirits. And so I ended up like, I'd roll up to him. And then he would just fucking start flailing like a madman. Sure. And I was like, what do I do? Roll backwards 30 times? Uh, no, that isn't. The, panic rolling is never the answer, but it is the one I chose very often. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. But beating him opens up Ronnie's quest line, which is very in-depth and involves fighting one of the cooler bosses in the game, in my opinion. So it's definitely worth doing. Don't skip Radon. Yeah, but it is a, it's a bit. It was a bit of a bummer early on to run into something that I was just not having any fun with mm-hmm. when I had been having so much fun leading up to. Yeah, that. No, when you were first complaining about him to me, like the thing that stood out in my head I was like, I can't believe you went all the way through Kalid that early in the game. <laughs> <laughs> it is rough. Yeah, yeah like. But yeah, because I was just so opposite to my uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you mentioned the plateau, so I guess I just wanted to kind of bring this up. Yeah. Um, so there is this lift that's supposed to take you up to it, um, and you get two pieces to it. Um, and I found one of them like fairly early on in the game, like around when you're supposed to. I mm. quotes supposed to. Um, uh it, it's like south of the shaded woods or whatever in that fort um and um and i was like okay cool like i'll keep an eye out for the other half and i actually think the item description tells you where the other half is it does yeah um which i didn't know at the time i did eventually find it in Kalid, like 40 hours later after <laughs> i had been to the plateau like forever ago mm-hmm. uh, i just thought that was kind of weird because like the it it seems like it's the once again air quotes intended way to get there like it's like a, one of the things that has a cut scene like activating the lift and it's like uh almost presented as like a a non 
assigned quest almost like it was like a thing you had to do get these two pieces to activate the lift to get up to the tree Mm -hmm. and the golden plateau you know like it just seems like this big thing and it's just like if you're like me and like if when you felt like making progress you just followed the road that goes through the whole area Mm -hmm. the road takes you right to this uh mine that Mm -hmm. goes like up through a mountain and plops you out right on the plateau and it's like I want to see statistics on how many people get to the plateau this way versus activating the lift. Yeah. I think what it comes... it's something just seems off about that. <laughs> I know. I agree. It, it's weird, especially like nobody mentions the medallion. No. At any point early in the game, but they then, do eventually. But then it also seems like it's treated with significance too. Yeah. So I found it before I even knew anything about shit. I was just like, oh, okay, I got a thing. And I, like, read it, and it was, like, the other half. And, like, imagine, keep in mind, that this, I don't know these words. So I'm going to say words that might sound familiar to you because you've played the game. But in my head, Mm -hmm. this all made no sense. It was like, I read it, it was like half of the medallion to access the grand lift of of Dectus. And I was like, sounds important, I guess. And uh-huh. I was like, the other half is found in Fort Faroth. And I was like, Fort, Fort Faroth, what the fuck is that? Like, I don't know what any of this means. Um, but it didn't mean that I kept my eyes out for that fort. And so when I did find it, when I found, when I, when I found Fort Faroth, uh-huh. uh, I I knew what it was that I had gotten, and I had made it to the Grand Lift because I had explored the Bellum Highway sure. uh, earlier in the game. So I actually did end up going there first. What I noted is that if you're the kind of person who likes to open their map and look at points of interest and go to them, you're going to get there infinitely faster through that cave than you are through the, the lift. Because there's a big conspicuous cave mm-hmm. <laughs> right at the end of the mm. uh, the lake. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to be looking for stuff. Like it's <laughs> if you just f- follow that road out of curiosity to where it goes to. Yeah, you'll end up at that mine for sure, and not <laughs> the glyph. It almost <laughs> seems like they should have switched the places of the two of them. Yeah, I, I think it depends on. I mean, it depends on a lot of shit. But yeah, like, yeah, obviously. Because you can get to the beginning of the road that leads you to the lift if you oh, go... Oh, it, it forks, maybe? It's from the main... It does fork, but if you if you go up the fork, you go up Madness Highway that fucking <laughs> has the brain of Menzis big eyeball that just, like, ruins your brain. Right. Uh, and so I didn't go up that fork until like fucking 50 hours later. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that hill that killed me <laughs> Right. just for being on it. Um, but no, if you go to the Academy gate, mm-hmm. uh, one of the, the seals takes you to that like bridge that you right. cross up and the other one takes you to the edge of that road. Right. So if you just go North from there, you end up the lift. That's how I ended up there. Mm-hmm. Um, well before I found that cave. Uh, so I, I did take the lift first and cave second, but I did eventually do both. So I think it just depends on kind of how you approach yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also want to talk about the plateau briefly mm-hmm. uh, because I found the most enjoyable time that I had playing this game early 
is was just riding around in Limgrave and being like, oh, what the fuck is that? What's going on over there? Who's this person? And like, you find stuff, you talk to people. I got excited because there were caves in the game. You know how I am. Uh-huh. Uh, and I didn't have that experience again once I sort of settled into the rhythm of it mm-hmm. until I got to the plateau and that central area uh, where you have the Erd tree and the ruins and there's a couple of mines and caves and one of the lifts and then a church with an invader. I remember that area being a very small version of that same experience I felt like I had at the beginning. And mm-hmm. I ended up really liking it because of it. That's it though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked um, the plateau as well. Like I, I thought it was cool that like the closer you got to the tree, like it became like a golden countryside. Like that was cool. Um, and like, there's like a midsummer town with like these women dancing around with these flower crowns and you know, like, <laughs> I don't, it's just very cool yeah um, and like it's like a windmill town i can't remember what, it might just be called windmill town. yeah it's called like windmill village or yeah. some shit uh i saw yeah i thought that was really cool um but yeah I, I i don't know if i liked it as much mechanically but like i think um is it liernia yeah the lake yeah um where um Renala's castle is um was really cool visually like i like when i think of the game i think about being down in the lake and looking up at the castle uh-huh. and like being in like the academy lake town or whatever it's called um and like i spent so much time i was so fixated on that plateau off to the left i know i've talked to you about this <laughs> a bunch but like um if you're like facing north if you're like behind Stormfall castle or whatever it's called it's like off to the left mm-hmm. um off to like i guess what's that the northwest and um and i was like so like sure that was going to be like a main quest area that i'd have to find my way to because uh, it's like right off from the from stormfall like i thought i was like that's the next area to go to yeah it like blocks your path yeah and i like <laughs> i was like i spent so much time trying to get to it i ended up in like that swampy like blight town-esque area underneath of it like really early and there's this one uh like machete wielding guy who's like a boss who in typical fashion is like a regular enemy later yeah who like just dumpstered me because i was like probably like level 30 or something when i fought him yeah um but yeah and like i loved um those little like frog guys um i don't know how else to describe them like these little blue guys that walk around the academy town with these big clubs and do cartwheels and stuff uh they're one of my favorite new enemy types if not my favorite yeah i don't i just thought that area was really cool they're they're called albinorax albinorax (laughs) yes nice uh and i guess they're like a second generation of them I don't understand them very well. There's a description of them that says that they are man-made, but mm. then you run into ones like uh, Latena, who you didn't run into, uh, notably, on your playthrough. Yeah. Uh, or whatever, Albus Dumbledore, the Albinorak, <laughs> uh, who gives you the half of the medallion for the lift of Rold, right. who just look like regular people. And I don't understand why that is, why there's a big head version um, and a spiky big it's head It's probably version. like a transformation or something. Could be, yeah. There's no rules. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
uh, but yeah, I love them as well. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Liurnia is a very cool area to me. It's just mostly like a big lake, though. Yeah, that's the part that really killed it. Yeah, like I just have like just I don't know. I just really enjoyed my time with it mm-hmm. for some reason. How do you feel about the this game's big poison swamp? Uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah, like, I actually think that sort of thing works better in an open world game. I agree. Um, because yeah, it just seems like it's like a more natural. It's like it's smaller percentage of the overall game. So mm-hmm. I think that like, and it just feels like it makes more sense as like a part of the world. Yep. Do you mean the um like the Scarlet Rot Swamp? Yeah. Okay, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Swamp of Aeonia. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that I liked the quest. Um, what is it? Um, Millicent's quest like starts there, mm-hmm. and like I remember like doing it initially, like finding the old man, fighting the boss, getting the needle, like going through the town, lighting the uh, signal fires or whatever to open the seal, finding her and giving her the needle, blah blah blah, and being like, oh man, this is like a cool quest it's like all localized right here like it's, it's one of my like it's like a highlight of the game and then it i was very surprised that it escalated <laughs> to like one of the most important side quests in the game but i thought that was it was like a nice surprise it was really cool um the way that that like was paced out yeah i like millicent side quest a lot because it is there are some side quests that you're going to engage with more depending on what build you're doing yeah um which reminds me of another thing that we have to talk about that I get to. Uh, this is going to be a long one. Yeah. Um, but I like Millicent's side quest because it's one of those ones that just like anyone can engage with. And it involves going to all of the cool places in the world. So whenever you're, if you're like following it, you're going to get shepherded to a lot of very interesting locations. Um, and I did like that about it. I finished it. It's one of the few things I had to like just straight up look up um, in right at the end because she has a uh, there's there's a part where you have to fight maybe the most unintuitive boss fight in the game. Yeah, I didn't finish her quest. She's just hanging out in whatever that secret area is. Oh yeah, and uh the Halig tree? Yeah. Yeah. She's just at the first grace there. She's just standing. Yeah, she's hanging out. Yeah. Uh <laughs> she will eventually move to an area in the the quote the brace of the Halig tree. Mm-hmm. But then she doesn't move from there unless you kill one of those ulcerated tree spirits that is just in a big pool of rot. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to be rotted while you're fighting it. And it just sucks. And, you, and your brain tells you, why would you fight this? It doesn't have a boss health bar. Mm-hmm. It's just a regular enemy health bar. And it just seems like it's in a shitty-ass location. Like, you don't fight the ulcerated tree spirit in the Lake of Rot, either. You yeah. see it, and you go, fuck that, I'm out. And you leave. Um, but you have to kill it in order to proceed with her quest line. And that's the one part of it that sucks. Uh, and the other part of it that sucks is uh, millennia. Uh, I want to talk about the end of the game and the difficulty spike that occurs the moment that you take the lift of rolled, no matter which direction you're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, okay, I might be a little biased on this because I did Haley Tree first. Oh. Uh, which is a mistake. Yeah. But I was like, I don't want to accidentally end the game and miss this. Uh, Cause I didn't know at the time. 
Uh, so I went through and did that whole area, including beating Millennia and uh, Moog. Though that's not actually even there. I just did that afterward for some reason. Um, and uh, it was hard. And it took a long time. And I was like, wow. Regular enemies are tanking things that bosses couldn't before. <laughs> And it, I understand why you take, you give the whole open world, and then you have one final area that everybody has to go to, and you make that harder because now every build has to be able to feel appropriately challenged in that area. I think that they tuned the numbers a little too high at the very end. Uh, I was really happy with the difficulty of this game most of the way through it. And then at the end, I felt like I was getting uh, fucking taken out back every single time I walked through a boss fog. Uh, I, my experience wasn't that extreme. Um, I, it did, I did feel the spike, um, but I felt like a little bit of it was my own fault because I felt myself like as I was getting w- what I perceived to be closer to the end, I was like not exploring as much. Mm-hmm. Um and uh so yeah i thought a little bit of that was on me and also i didn't go to the halic tree first so, yeah. um, <laughs> but um i don't know it didn't seem that bad to me all right <laughs> what are we talking yeah, about it, next <laughs> it, just, it seems like a result of like that's one like big complaint people make like mechanically that like the second halves of these games are like way too easy mm-hmm um because like once you get like powerful enough so it just felt like a response to like try and balance against that sure i think a lot of my problem is less i said boss fog earlier Mm -hmm. and that's not really accurate um i remember when you got to the like the halig tree proper area where you're going down the branches and then there's that whole zone yeah i really liked that area actually and i remember being like Prepare yourself for a, a clusterfuck because it is just like infinite enemies that you have very little hope of just bursting down. Mm-hmm. Like they all have so much health. And I got to give a special shout out to Tall Wizard, who is horseshit <laughs> because he has <laughs> like infinite poise. Like 40,000 HP mm-hmm. and just like launches explosives at you while you're on a bridge. Uh, so I'm, I'm against a big wizard. I think he is too, too strong mm-hmm. of an enemy. Um, but for the most part, like it's fun to fight a lot of these enemies in isolation. But there were just parts of it where I was just like, I just have to run because there's 50 things here mm-hmm. and I can't process what to do. Uh, and then once you get into the, the city part of the Halley tree, it is like those knights that take like a hundred attacks with a great sword to kill it. Maybe my damage was too low. That's what it sounds like. It's theoretically. I mean, I was lower level than I was in the mountaintops of the Sure, Giants, Sure. But it was still like, <laughs> It just seemed like I had to attack things too many times yeah. in order to kill them or even stagger them. Uh, 
And I was just, it became very tedious to fight things. Mm. And so I would very quickly reach the point where I would just run to stuff. I'd be like, let's just get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, definitely feels like you were underleveled for that, or your weapon wasn't up to up It was, to it was plus 10. Uh, uh, <laughs> I had multiple plus 10 weapons huh. at that point. Uh, I don't, I, it may have been, I didn't understand stat caps of this mm. game. I had both of my, I think, strength and faith were both at 40 mm. when I was there, uh, using the blast yeah, from I this guess blade. That, that is... A good point that I I was just stacking all of my shit. <laughs> yeah, in strength because it turns out the upper soft cap for strength is sixty in this uh, game. Wow! So I actually wasn't close to it, but I thought I was there. I was like, how am I supposed to get more <laughs> damage? So that probably was it. Yeah, I know. I had more trouble with the with the the giants, whatever snow area. Oh yeah, mountaintops. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, like that first and en- one of the first enemies that are just like those blue like jump around knife wielding guys in the snow those blue jump around like, knife there's like guys. there's a grace where the guy with the metal hat yeah yeah it's like right at that grace like you walk uh, over from it there's like one of the enemies is just like right there and he gives you like five thousand runes and i farmed him for a little while yeah the zaymore i think is the thing okay is. um those like just fucking destroyed me when i got there i was like oh my god like <laughs> yeah. why did this get so hard all of a sudden and it's like i fought the one and then i go to the other area and there's two and i'm like okay like i'll, I'll actually like throw some kukris or whatever at him to get one of them to come over here mm-hmm. and i kill both of them and then like there's like five more <laughs> and i'm like jesus christ okay yeah i had exactly <laughs> the same experience when i got there it's just like oh because you have to go up there get through castle soul yeah. To get the medallion to go to the Halley Tree. Yeah. So I did that and then came back uh, after doing all the Halley Tree stuff. But yeah, I remember walking into the Zaymore ruins and just being like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess these guys are... Because they're a boss. You yeah. can fight them as a boss in, in uh, like, dungeons. And there's one in a, an Everjail. Yeah. And, the, yeah, there's just like, here's eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have fun. So, yeah, um, that was, like, the big spike for me was that area. I do want to shout out. Yeah, like by the time I got to the Halig tree, it was like way later. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to shout out since you mentioned him, uh, the guy with the hat. Oh yeah, whose name is your bloody finger hunter. When you first meet him, uh, but at that point says that he's been taken over by somebody whose name is, in his own words, a shabiri. I just his voice is so good. <laughs> And I just love the way that he's like, Shabriri. <laughs> it's so goofy, and I adore it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he leads you, in fact, into uh, one of the endings, which is the most... Fu- I mean, it is called the Lord of Chaos ending, but it is true chaotic. The ending is is insane. Like, your character dies and then wakes up, and their head is replaced by a giant fireball, like something out of fucking Doom Patrol. And it's just like, and now everything is exploding. Like, it shows like a pullback of the whole city, and there's just a big fire coming mm-hmm. out of the, the Erd Tree. The Flame of Frenzy. The Flame of Frenzy. I was like, holy shit, this is fucking metal as fuck. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's just my... My love, my love letter to Shabriri, and uh, <laughs> uh, we can move on from there.
Um, I did want to actually talk about the fact that they hired George R. R. Martin to work on this game. Sure. Um, I don't know if I have much like specific stuff to say about it, but like, I think that's really cool. Like, I I really enjoy like just that idea. Like when I heard about it, I was like, oh, like fuck yeah. <laughs> um, like I don't know, just the idea of that collaboration just seemed really like a unique cool thing for them to do um and i thought it was cool that he like agreed to do it um and yeah i I feel like because especially with like triple a games um being able to like divide the workload like that like i don't know i just felt like it was like a cool thing like a new approach to kind of like inject like something new and fresh into the game and like to you know like get new blood into it and to like I don't know, yeah, like a collaborative effort. It just seemed like it just such a cool idea to me. And um But I, I will say that it did feel surprisingly a lot just like Dark Souls tropes too. Yeah. Like it's really weird. I'd love to hear him talk about it. Like I'd pay money, probably a lot of money, to like watch him stream the game <laughs> <laughs> and talk about it. Or more realistically, probably sit with somebody who's playing it and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um but uh uh, yeah, I would I would love like an interview like which I'm sure that will happen eventually. Like I know he's talked about it a little pre-release, but um I just find it super interesting and would like to pick his brain about it. Yeah, I thought it was a neat idea. I have basically as little of a connection to George R. R. Martin as a person can. Yeah. I've never read any of his work. I've never really seen an interview with him. Now, he's such a likable guy. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Which is weird considering now what I know about the tone of his work, which people bring up a lot. Yep. Is like he's one of those people that like writes stuff that's very dark, but then himself is like a jolly Santa Claus man. Yeah, he is very jolly. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, and I've never seen Game of Thrones, so, like, none of this, like, it was, like, collaboration with George R. R. Martin could have been, like, any famous author, and I would have been, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it does, in retrospect, having now played the game and have read a little bit more of, like, what he's all about, seem like a really good fit in a way that mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting. Yeah, like, I know you're not a big fantasy guy, mm-hmm. but, like, I do actually think you would like Game of Thrones, like, the novels especially, mm-hmm. um, and probably a little bit of the TV show anyway. I just feel like his involvement has just made me curious about that in a way that, like, I, if you couldn't tell, I have trouble explaining. Like, <laughs> this more than, like, I think anything, any other game I've ever played, like, I want a novelization of, or, like, I want a book written by him set in this world. Yeah. It's just, like, that idea that there is, like, that his influence in there just, like, makes me more aware of details that I wouldn't have been otherwise, I think. Yeah. And it makes you, because it makes you wonder more about the story. Like, when you're presented with Dark Souls for the first time, you take it as a video game and you don't expect it to do the things that it's doing. It's part of what made the game successful, Mm -hmm. is the fact that you don't expect it to do what it does. And when you're used to it with Dark Souls, and then they say, and this, but also it's co-written a world built or however you want to describe his involvement by George R. R. Martin, you go, oh, I wonder what, what makes it different. So yeah. now you have this constant comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And I also thought it was cool. Cause it ties back in a little bit to that quote 
of from like the one that everyone says about Miyazaki mm. about how he would read Western fantasy as a kid and he couldn't uh, understand all of the English. So he had to fill in the gaps himself, which has led to like a really cool approach in storytelling. And it just feels like a cool, like not full circle kind of thing, but like maybe like a realization of like a dream that he's now like working with a Western fantasy author to like make something. Yeah. I don't, I just think that's cool. Yeah. It's like, uh, the, it's the full circle, like the Elden Ring. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like shattered. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not quite a full circle. <laughs> uh, God. All right, there's exactly two other things that I wanted to talk about. Sure. Uh, I don't know what you have on your list. Just but... a couple of things, and maybe some of them will overlap. All right. Um, actually, three things. First one's very short. Sure. I love that the the tree guardians, the Erd tree avatars, that's what they're called, uh, that stand around the minor Erd trees. Oh, yeah, or just the asylum demons. Yeah. I. It's, like, weird because, like, I complained earlier about them, like, repeating bosses and doing them just as multiple fights and shit. I feel differently about them because they feel like such pure Dark Souls to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you just learn. Like, they do telegraphed attacks. You roll them. You hit them. Yeah. And you just do it. And you fought this boss probably a hundred times yeah. at this point. So it just felt like a very comfortable thing. Satisfying. Yeah. I just really enjoyed them. Thought they were great. Um, <laughs> the bosses I wanted to shout out when I, like, sat down to think about it the other day were... Erdtree Avatar, Rykard, and the final boss. Mm. Um, but that's the one that I think I'll wait until yeah, you sure. get your shit in. Uh, briefly, just because I want to get this in now and maybe cut it out later, I don't like Melania. Mm. Here's I'm weighing in. I don't want to weigh in on all of the community topics because shit's going to get figured out over time. I want to weigh in on Melania. Yeah. I'm not really qualified to comment because I walked into Fighter once and was like, fuck this. <laughs> Yeah. So I talked about on the Final Fantasy Ten. We're going back. Uh, the Final Fantasy Ten episode. Sure. About super bosses and how I'm generally in favor of super bosses uh, because, like, yeah, you don't have to fight them, but if you want to fight them, there's like a big thing you have to do. Mm-hmm. Millennia feels sort of in that vein to me. And I am yeah, not a secret boss. Secret boss, end game boss. Uh, has like a uh, just like a little bit over the edge of what the average person is capable of. I also am the kind of person who, when they play a Souls game or when they replay a Souls game, I like to fight all the bosses. That's just a part of the experience to me. Mm-hmm. This game is makes it hard to do that in a couple of ways. One, because there's a million bosses and a lot of them are repeated, so I'll probably just skip a lot on subsequent playthroughs. Mm-hmm. Um, Melania hurts me specifically because I want to beat Melania because it's a big boss, but it is very hard to beat. And it, to me, felt nearly impossible with the build that I had when I went into it. Uh, I fought her for like an hour, and after an hour got her to her second phase, found out there was a second phase, and then I respect my character completely and yeah, I did the uh, plus ten mimic tier rivers of blood dex arcane thing, where you just stagger her into oblivion. Like literally, the build that beats her easiest is 
a build where the mechanical interaction is press square to summon the mimic, hit L2. And you just hit L2 over and over again, occasionally refilling your FP bar, and you just win the fight. Like, it took me a half an hour of attempts after respecking to beat her. And part of me hates that. Part of me is glad that I was able to cheese it and just get through to the end. Mm. But, like, I want the boss to be cool. But but it just, for me, as a non-god gamer, as somebody who's not extremely good and also not very willing to spend a lot of time doing it over and over again, I found it immensely frustrating. And it it's just because they put too many things. <laughs> like, she does a lot of damage. That's fine. I accept that. I expect it from an endgame boss. She has a lot of health. Also expected, maybe a little bit weird, because she just seems to be a person. Like, uh, she's like a demigod, but you know. She has a ton of health, but she's just a regular-sized, regular person. She's a tall lady. She's a tall lady. Uh, And then she has this health regen, which I actually like in in concept but it just feels like the one thing that pushes her a little bit too far and also if you try and parry her it takes three parries before she's open for a repost which is not unique to her margit takes two i think and her morgat does and uh, other bosses take multiple parries to put into a repost animation but like it just seems like every slider they had to make the fight harder they turned all the way up and it just it's a bar from me wanting to do the thing that I want to do. And if it was just like a little bit toned down and I felt like I could reliably go through it. Like I've beaten Gale multiple times. He's, uh, he's not millennia level. And I think that's kind of fucked up and a little bit scary as to what they're going to put into the DLC. Yeah. Uh, I'm everything you said about yourself is also true of me, uh, but you're closer to God Gamer than me. I think I'm even less willing to to push through that stuff. Mm-hmm. For so you can take my gamer card away, listener. But uh, like they crossed the line for me with like the Bloodborne DLC, like mm-hmm. Lady Maria and um, and Orphan, Orphan. of Kos. And like I, I don't, I don't think I ever even beat the Nameless King or Medir in Dark Souls Three. Uh-huh. Like I just like they pushed them to a level of difficulty that I just don't find fun to, like, do. Yeah. And I could tell immediately upon, like, starting that fight with uh, Millennia that I it was something I would not want to do. Right. So I just left. Yeah. <laughs> and she does have one attack yeah. uh, that's called it's called the Waterfowl Dance. Um, <laughs> and that is a deceptively serene name. Uh, and I just want to mention this once. One... Because before the podcast gets a rain of fire fucking thrown on it by everybody on the internet, Uh you can dodge the move. It's insanely (laughs) hard, and you have to basically know exactly what to do. So yes, it is possible to dodge the move, but it is among the hardest things to do in the whole game is dodge one move. But my actual complaint with it is much dumber. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm curious because I, I got one opinion on this, but have never put it out there globally. Mm-hmm. I want to ask, have you seen this move? First of all, no, it's... I haven't watched the fight. Okay. Do you know 
Uh, is it the movie from the trailer where she spears you? No, that one's sick as fuck, and okay. I love it. Uh, yeah, her grab is great because she just throws you up in the air and like ping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's a uh, a move that she does where she jumps in the air. There's a delay. Uh, this is the cue, by the way, if you're trying to dodge it. You run as fast as you can away, and then you dodge through her. That's the trick everybody wants to tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do that. I fucking held a big shield. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what 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 she does is her she, in animation terms, the model comes toward you, and around it is an AOE that is supposed to represent blade strikes. Okay. I think this looks dumb as fuck. Like, not cool at all. In fact, pretty lame. Okay. And I've never heard anybody express this opinion. Everybody's like, her cool anime attack. I was like... Okay, I was going to ask if it was like... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly that. Okay. Millicent does it in her invasion. Uh, It's the move that probably killed you. Uh and I just think it looks really stupid and also is in a game that is, like, about watching your opponent's animations and reacting to them. And just having it be, like, it reads as an AoE. I'm not complaining from a gameplay standpoint. Mm-hmm. But when you're trained to look at these animations from a gameplay standpoint and you see that, you go, God, why? Like, just do sword slashes. Like, they don't even have to be that fast. You could do it. Her sword is huge. It's a Dark Souls game. Of course it is. Mm -hmm. Just make her do horizontal slashes. It would be the same hurt box and it would look less dumb. Like they just put a cartoon into the Dark Souls game. Mm. Uh, I'm sad I can't comment. Yeah. I don't like how it looks. I think it looks bad. Uh, And I don't like the boss very much. Uh, I will probably attempt her on different characters and may or may not report back if I'm able to beat it. <laughs> uh, rest of the fight's cool, though. It's a cool, it's a cool idea. I like it. It's just very rough in a mm. way I'm not a fan of. I wanted to ask, mm-hmm. now that I'm done monologuing about that. Uh-huh. They let you respec in this game very early. Uh, it's after the, is most people's second boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about that? Um, I completely understand why it's there. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think it's cool that Renala's the one um, that like you go to for it. Like mm-hmm. I think that's cool. She's like this giant lady in a chair. Um, so I think, yeah, that's the presentation is cool. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I kind of don't like that you can just respec, um, once again, might be in the minority of like liking the more restrictive older games, <laughs> not in the minority on this podcast. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, like, I, I like the idea of like things being more committal like mm-hmm. they were in the older games. Um, personally, yeah, it makes more sense. The more like with a more open game, that's going to be way longer, um, but I don't know. I I'd rather it not be there personally. I didn't use it. Yeah, I I like I said I used it once, well yeah. twice. Once to spec into a dex build, and then once to spec back. Yeah, uh, I mean I mean I don't have any problem with it being in there because it's like it's optional. But yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think 
my only additional point, because you you share my opinion pretty closely on mm-hmm. this, I think that it should be there because, like you said, it is a, a like an open world game, and it's got a lot more to do and things that you're gonna see and maybe want to change yeah. to play with. But I think it should be closer to the end of the game. I think the early respec makes me like. And it's it 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 is nothing. It's not even a game design thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a personal feeling where I'm like, the I agonize over where to put my points. Sometimes I'll be like, ooh, I yeah, barely like, have enough for one level. That's part of the fun. Yeah, I think. yeah. Like to an extent, a build because I rarely play New Game Plus in these games. I build, I make a new character, mm-hmm. and as lame as it sounds, like the build is is sort of who the character is. I name the character yeah. based on the build I'm going for. So it feels weird for me to take a guy whose name is like Strongy Strongman and then go like, "Hey, I'm going to briefly respec into being a a dragon caster." Yeah. It would be weird if F Stock Fitzgerald <laughs> or uh, ended up being a strength character. Yeah. So. It would be yeah, or Thorpo Fantasy yeah. becomes a <laughs> a faith build. I don't know, uh, but yeah, that's it. That's all. That's the only other thing I, yeah. I wanted to say. Um, I wanted to shout out the underground area. It's like the something river, Silina C- river, Cielfra. Cielfra I think river. is the first one. Uh, super cool. Probably the like highlight like moment that blew my mind ign.com <laughs> of the game was like finding this lift in the in the shaded woods um and t- taking it down and it taking like a full two minutes to get to the bottom of the shaft and it just being this underground land of the giants lost world valhalla area <laughs> with like this like sky like this starry sky box um but then when you get close to like the edges you can see cliffs in the distance so you're like am i underground am i in another plane of existence Mm -hmm. there's all these astral yak men or whatever they are uh like running around and like spirit animals and it's just like what is this uh i thought that was so cool um as an area and um it was and i i made it all the way through the area and came up the lift on the other side in Kalid, and you're in above ground and it still has that starry skybox so i'm like what's going on with that <laughs> um i don't actually know i didn't look into it but i think that's so cool one of those things that like triggers your imagination and you think about and you're just like it's just really awesome yeah, I, I want to say, yeah, I, I want to agree with that. It's one of two uh, jaw-dropping moments for me. And the for, the first one, weirdly, was just trying to bring down one of the walking mausoleums and succeeding. Mm. The fact that I just did a thing and it worked, yeah. I was just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it took me way too long to realize how to, what to do with those. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll you'll see me riding around one for a while and not figuring it out and then walking away. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's very yeah, it's no, a, it is yeah. very cool. I like that they have the little notes in there that like give you the hints to that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, but yeah, going down that elevator, one of the few times when something taking two in-game or two real-world minutes. <laughs> Uh, did not irritate me. It 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 made me go, oh fuck, <laughs> it's, it's pretty sick. Uh, 
in all of those areas, like, actually some of my favorite, like, just regular level design. Mm-hmm. I'd say the first one's actually my least favorite because it's just that big open area. It feels like there's a little bit too much going on mm-hmm. and it, it gets a little distracting. But the subsequent areas in Nocron and Noxtella, I think, are some of my favorite uh, bits of the game. So big shout outs to the underground area. It looks fucking beautiful. Too. Yeah. So Love cool. that color palette. Um, the other thing I wanted to point, uh, shout out is that there's music, Hey, there's music in the game, <laughs> big win for me, everybody, uh, who said, wouldn't it be cool if there was just like some ambient music that would play sometimes and someone else finally had the same thought. Yep. It I was. especially really like the, um, what's the name of the city? Is it Lindell? Like the main, the golden city? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, it its theme I like a lot. Uh, it I it it I feel like it reminds me of something like some kind like the instrumentation or like the melody. I just really liked it. It it captures that like fallen grandeur like that these games always capture. You know, and like their aesthetics I thought really well in music form. Like it felt somber and you know a sense of history to it, yeah. which I really liked. But yeah, I just liked actually having some music and not just listening to my footsteps all the time. Yeah. I I think I agree more now in this game because there's a, there's a lot more downtime. Yeah. Like in dark souls, it feels appropriate at times because you're listening to your footsteps and also like, Ooh, maybe there's like a slithery snake around here. Mm -hmm. Uh, is going to attack me. So it, it feels very like, appropriate but in this game it feels really good to have music and it also feels good that the combat music has like multiple levels to it where you're in out and out combat or if maybe you've been spotted and that you're sneaking and it's mm-hmm. quieter there's a there's a, a dynamism to it and i just like it i think it's a good call i finally agree with you yeah it just and i guess i'll just reiterate for context to people who don't know i was like <laughs> When we talked about the original game a million billion years ago, um, in the before times, um, I, I made the argument that I feel like it accomplishes the opposite of what it sets out to do, because it, it's supposed to like pull you into the world, put you more in your character's shoes, because there's only like ambient sound effects. Yeah. Um, and for me, like it just does the opposite. Like it really points attention to itself because you're used to there being music in games. And the fact that there isn't any just always would stand out to me. Like, I'd be playing it, and, like, I'd be running down the aqueduct, and I'd be like, wow, my footsteps are so loud. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know. It just, I feel like the actual presence of music would call less attention to those things, personally. Um, and everyone seems to disagree with me on that. Um, <laughs> it's one of, something that people praise about the game all the time, and I've always been really skeptical of. But mm. that's just that. Yeah. That's uh, my, my opinion. My, my hot take. <laughs> Um, and I, I, the only other discussion I wanted to have will be one that would probably take a while. Um, so I guess we won't have, I just kind of wanted to talk and it might not even be that interesting about like, like our first experiences with the game, like the stuff that like we did. Um, but we can just not do it, <laughs> uh, cause we've been going for a very long time. We have, um, I mean, give me, uh, give me like a short version of sure, yours, yeah, yeah. and I'll see if like, I. I just wanted to comment on like um, the 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 beginning of the game. Like I kind of alluded on the first half to like the the idea of like 
especially in open world games at the beginning, there's like a breadcrumb trail that kind of like leads you towards certain things before you really let off the leash. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I followed along that. Like I went to the castle and got bodied by the whichever <laughs> one it is, Margit or Margot, whichever one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I left, like I got the memo and then like I kept trying to get like around the castle. Cause I just cut like consumed by the idea of like, can I do this? And I got around to this, like, broken bridge on the side, and then I found, like, a path to the side of it, and I'm like, oh, cool, like, a cliffside path, and, like, I go around the castle, and I get to the north side of it, and, like, I went to Liernia early and, like, tried to progress northward, like, I was really drawn northward and, like, got a bunch of levels trying to do shit up there before I turned around and went south and did all the things and, like, actually explored Limgrave yeah. and kind of steamrolled the whole area. <laughs> uh, so I just thought that was uh, interesting because I find that I'm usually not that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like, like I know, like, in, like uh, people would talk about Breath of the Wild when that came out and be like, oh, I went off the plateau and went the exact opposite way that they said to go. <laughs> and that took me to the desert, and it was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> um. And yeah, I'm just usually not that person. Like, I'm usually pretty good at just subconsciously reading game design and, like, going exactly where the developers want me to. And this is an example of me having the opposite experience by walking by the tutorial <laughs> and then also going the opposite direction they wanted me to. Yeah, it's amusing to me that you went, like, through... You you skipped over something that they obviously did want you to go to mm-hmm. and then proceeded to go through just everything like comb very finely through a huge swath of the game yep. so like you had one lapse of 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 being attentive yeah <laughs> like one um what's the the boss in the south region like at the very bottom of the plateau or the peninsula i mean oh the one in castle morn yeah with the, the with mi- the game of thrones sword yeah the misbegotten warrior yeah like i fucking destroyed him. <laughs> Like, I feel like I killed him in, like, eight hits or something. Yeah. I, I fought him also kind of at an upper level the first time, and it took me a couple of tries. Did not destroy him, though. And then he destroyed me when mm. I went back through as a mage, and I tried to fight him at level 18. Yeah, it's one thing that makes me really want to replay the game, like, right away, to, like, actually do Limgrave at the appropriate level. Sure. Um, but I think I'm going to hold off on that. Uh so it could feel fresh the second time. Yeah. And I think, honestly, like, having played it through twice now um, in a really short period of time, that's probably the way to go. I think uh, there's going to be an appeal to trying stuff that you didn't try before, if mm-hmm. that's one of the re- like me, one of the reasons you play the game. But, like, playing it twice in a row, once you know where stuff is, it the game feels a lot closer to a more traditional dark souls game which is why i put such a big deal at the beginning like please play this game blind Mm -hmm. because it feels different than a regular souls game um but it doesn't so much when you're like okay i'm gonna go get this y hander yeah so you go get this y hander because you know where it is uh it just feels a little bit like streamlined maybe uncomfortably so yeah um yeah, so, but I just wanted to give that spiel. Like, you can give a similar one if you have, or we could move on. Yeah, I'll mention the one thing about my early game experience that I think was uh, pre- predictable, which is I left the church 
where you find Santa Claus, aka right, yeah. Calais. Yeah, your first merchant. Yeah. yeah. And went north and found a statue of a skeleton. And I was like, that's dope. What's it all about? And it pointed me in the direction of a door, which led to a catacomb that I got fucking destroyed in by a little dude mm-hmm. uh which shout out to the imps yeah uh, the imps are cool i love the imps and i love that they're the same ai as the uh the little dudes from dark souls 3 oh yeah with the hoods yeah the ones that carry the big swords are the best because they just chase you with that sword forever <laughs> and it's like it seems like they're very easy to deal with but they will make you look like an idiot because you'll just roll and realize they aren't attacking and then you'll roll again and you just keep doing that and then they just hit you no matter how t- how many times you rolled before and you're like boy i look stupid and i love that there's an enemy that can just always do that um so big shout outs mm-hmm. to to the imps uh but i was like fuck dungeon and then went through it and fought a robot cat dog at the end and i said well this is the game now huh and i just looked for caves like i was a desperate spelunker <laughs> looking around for things to to dive into uh and uh, like i said this maybe a little drunk uh-huh. maybe half oh. jokingly but i hope the dlc is just a hundred k i just want there to be more games. i thought you were gonna say and you probably don't even remember this um <laughs> we you weren't drunk at the time but uh at least i don't think so but like when we for the first day we got the game like mm. we you were playing in the living room i was playing in my room and like you came back by to go to the bathroom and like you were just like had been playing for a little while and you were just like this game slaps my balls left and right <laughs> Yeah, and it's probably because I just got out of a cave. Yeah, I no, love yeah. caves. Dude. I had a similar experience. I went into that catacomb, and then I I went into the cave with the wolf man. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it felt like I went a really long time without being able to find any. Like I felt like I had like a a dry spell with the caves there for yeah. a little bit. No, yeah, there's there. That's one of the reasons I like the messages, man. You yeah, just point that's you to thing, those caves. Yeah, that's one thing I've been doing uh, this past week is just going back and like looking for caves I missed. Mm-hmm. Um, God. Okay, one last thing. Not a big conversation. Just want to say it. Uh, I complained a little bit about the difficulty spike near the end of the game. I do want to call out, however, that the last run of bosses of. Uh, fucking osgood pharmacy oz what is his name the odd uh, the all-knowing oh yeah gideon gideon, gideon. ulfnir the all-knowing uh horlu slash godfrey the first elden lord mm-hmm. and uh radagon elden beast is my favorite string of ending bosses except for bloodborne um and god damn i just love all of them so much like uh, gideon's hysterical it's an, kind of an easy fight if you come at yeah, the level you probably easy. will be yeah as he just but he just uses every spell and it's funny for him to he's do the that. all-knowing he's the all-knowing uh and then i was sad his armor wasn't better than it was i still it's wore it very cool <laughs> it's extremely his it has a beard of ears yeah it has an ear yeah, beard because he's gotta he's gotta hear all the stuff to know it <laughs> it's so good uh and then yeah horlu is 
fucking amazing. I love dude the wrestling moves. It's so good. Literally, I feel like anybody who plays that's gonna have the exact same reaction when they first get hit by that. They're gonna be like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> when he just like launches you in the air yeah. and then, like fucking suplexes you. Yeah, because he has the suplex move where he grabs you, but like way funnier is where he punts you like a football <laughs> and then jumps into the air and grabs you. It's so good. Uh, and his first phase is great, too, but it's just, like, a very standard Yeah, I axe. like the first phase. Yeah. So I like both phases of that. I think it's really good. And I also really like both phases of Radagon and yeah, yeah. the Elden Beast. Very good final boss, I thought. Yeah. Like, I like it. Like, this has been a trend where, like, they make the final boss, like, a just a more doable, really good fight. And, like, they save, like, some of the weirder, like, um, or more bullshit kind of feeling <laughs> stuff for, like, optional bosses. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, I thought this was this follows in that trend, and like yeah, like the Elden Beast was super cool. Um, yeah, and Radagon also pretty pretty cool. Yeah, I, I yeah, I just like both of those and agree. I think I think people that I've heard talk about the Elden Beast fight, I think the problem with Elden Beast, and I mentioned, I don't think that the horse flag is appropriately turned on, mm-hmm. uh, is that you just run. Like, most of the fight is running. You run around it, and when it does attacks, you run in the opposite direction. And you only get in when it does, like, its close-range stuff. Um, and it's kind of counterintuitive, especially when you just leave the Radagon fight. Um, but it makes the fight feel... Like, it's one of the few fights that, after I finished it, my hands were, like, fucking trembling. I was like, oh, yeah, it I feels it. is 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 over uh, overused and as dumb as the word feels to use. It feels epic. It does feel epic, for <laughs> sure. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Christ. very cool designs, like a celestial space dragon thing. Do we have tarnished thoughts? My tarnished thoughts. Um, uh, this game is great. You know it. We all know it. Um, 10 out of 10 IGN.com. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we talking about next? But time? yeah, I, I I liked it a lot. Obviously, um, I I feel like I I might just be getting a little burnt out on open world games because I feel like this didn't like wow me in the way that like I kind of wanted it to. Like, and I don't want to like overstate that it's a great game, one of if not the best open world game I've probably played. <laughs> but um. I don't know. I just feel like the market's hit a saturation to the point where, like, this feels like it should be more impressive to me than it was. I don't know exactly what that means, <laughs> um, but I just thought I would say it. But, uh, no, very great game. Like, uh, I've played it for, like, 90 hours and will want to keep playing it, but I'm going to have to make myself <laughs> move on. Um, but, yeah, it's just really easy to play. Like um, I was saying earlier, I think this type of like the from software like kind of type of combat just lends itself well to an open world um because like everything you're doing is the gameplay there's no in between bits um much i I think that's part of what made breath of the wild so good and it's what makes this so good too um yeah great exploration i love exploring a world in a like a 3d game like that's my jam um some of my earliest gaming memories were with mario 64 so i think that's where i get that from like my bread and butter just like give me a cool 3d world to explore i'll probably like your game um and this is one of the best of those um 
So yeah, some really great moments like the underground city and like uh, I liked uh, the big lake, the looking up at the giant mystical castle, like all like the fantasy vistas in this are like straight out of like a magic card mm-hmm. or like some kind of 80s D&D painting um, promotional art thing. Like like some of the, like you get used to it as you play, but like early on, like you're just like, oh, another castle. Like, oh man, there's like, oh wait these are different trees. It's not all the same tree, distant tree in the skybox. So I'll go explore what these smaller gold trees are and blah, blah, blah. Like there's just a lot of cool things to discover. Um, and I don't know. It's just such a big, great experience that it's kind of hard to condense your thoughts on it. But I guess it's, it's just very good and very impressive how much good content is packed into this game. And it's able to do all of that and deliver, like the legacy dungeons, like the classic uh, Dark Souls content that you want. Um, I actually think um, that's one thing it has like a leg up on Breath of the Wild, where it's like it felt like that game was missing a few maybe like traditional dungeons that would have like boosted it um, to like even better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think this game kind of proves it to me anyway. Um, so yeah, thoroughly pleased, really liked it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> so yeah, I I agree with a lot of that. I think the main thing to take away um at least from from like my view of this game is I'm a person who typically doesn't like an open world game. I think generally speaking if you say a game is open world, that is immediately a detriment in my eyes. I'm like it's going to take me a million years, there's going to be a lot of time that I spend running around not doing much. Um, Zelda is an example of one that doesn't do that. And this is a game that fucking blows it out of the water. I am so surprised, uh, that this was able to engage me at every point. Like there was not a part of this that I felt like I was bored or that the thing I was doing was like wrong in some way. I always felt like I was making a little bit of progress and I was doing like, interesting cool stuff that i was genuinely interested in finding and it and it had caves uh so all of those things add together into this is debatably my favorite open world game ever made and that isn't as high of a uh as praise as maybe it could be but it is still something uh I mentioned before uh, at the very beginning of this now very long podcast that uh, I didn't think they'd be able to make a game that I enjoyed more than Bloodborne. And while they didn't, I think this is like neck and neck with the first game for me at this very early stage where it feels like it's recaptured that sense of discovery. Um, While there are parts of it that I don't like and there are things about it that I think could be improved none of it detracts from the experience enough uh, for me not to heartily recommend this game to people. Uh, though I would be very interested in hearing the experience of somebody who has just never played a Souls game. Yeah, the a totally cold experience would be interesting to get someone's opinion on that. Especially with how well this game is sold so yeah. far. So. Uh, so yeah, tentatively... Those are final thoughts, but we all know that with a with a game in this franchise, these are 
current level like, thoughts. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> even if I didn't like it that much, it'd still be like one of the better games I've ever played. <laughs> <laughs> Given how much I like Dark Souls, so yeah. Uh Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're m- monkeying around. <laughs> oh, quit monkeying around, Chad. It's April. Uh, <laughs> and the first game that we're going to be talking about is uh, Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, and also a minor errata to the previous uh, No Clip Pocket that just went up. Uh, the next game we're playing on Pocket is actually going to be Super Monkey Ball. Uh, we like to play games most of the time uh, on original hardware or as close to it as we can, unless there's like a very easily accessible remake. And our ability to play a PlayStation game was hindered by a lack of certain hardware. But we've remedied that. We're going to get to that later. Uh, so Ape Escape, second episode. Super Monkey Ball, first episode. Uh and no clip is going bananas, <laughs> etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, monkey punch. Here comes April. <laughs> uh, until that time, we you can get a hold of us. We can get a hold of us too, but you can get a hold of us on our website at noclippodcast.com. There you can find links to all of the old episodes, our email address, our Twitter, the Discord, uh, the YouTube, where you can listen to our episode on. Bad. the two episodes on Dark Souls a million years ago. Mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Which I referenced more than I thought I would. <laughs> uh, Kingdom we... Hearts. That's an action <laughs> RPG. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> we haven't talked about a ton of open world yeah, games, Skyrim. but lots of, of like things very clearly Souls inspired. Yeah, we have an RPG playlist, don't we? Yeah. Check that out. There it is. Uh, I gotta go to work now. Yep. <laughs> We gotta end. <laughs> Goodbye. Podcast aborted. Elden, ring that bell. Ooh, perfect, beautiful. Yeah, nailed it. Took one. My ass. If you hear the bell, the subscription bell ringing in the distance of that wandering mausoleum. <laughs> <laughs>